Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd, unexpectedly here for another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. I had made promises that I then failed to keep. I told everybody I wasn't going to be here this weekend, that I was going to be working, helping my institution of higher learning move the 1,100 students that we have on campus out of our 13,000 in. However, through a fortunate quirk in scheduling and just recognizing that it really wasn't that crazy, I'm here. I'm here. I'm back. And I am excited today because this show is literally two parts and only two parts. We will only be talking about two subjects. We are going to talk some Umbrella Academy, season two, episodes one through five. And then we are spending the bulk of this show, and I really do think this will be the bulk of the show, talking everything DC fandom. DC fandom wrapped up its first 24 hours about an hour ago, my time here on the East Coast, as it was a 24-hour marathon of information. Now, what was cool is it was done in eight-hour blocks, so you could schedule things and watch it. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I don't want to get too excited. I want to bring in our other two regular guests, the scientist himself, DPP, and Mr. David Ungar. Gentlemen, how are you today? Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Oh, it's exciting. It was an exciting weekend, that's for sure. Disappointed that Pat- Patrick's here because we had to cancel the hookers and blow. But otherwise, you know, it was it's uh, it's it's all good. So why so why do you think week. I'm opposed to hookers and blow? Like I want <laughs> why is why is that when we why is that when we have hookers and blow? Why can't Patrick, I have hookers? Pat, and blow? Come on, we're all married here, so you gotta keep it on the DL. Oh, not Tony. That's right. Oh well, wait, we not, have any? <laughs> you know the Mrs. O'Dowd is kind of cool though, man. Like I'm just saying, she's she's cool. Wow, if your wife is like that open, then uh, you got to keep her there, my friend. I mean, as long as she's upstairs and not hearing me talk about how she's totally open and cool with everything, like we're, we're, she's cool, man. Like she don't got to know about it. I love you, Mrs. O'Dowd. But gentlemen, because, because you were expecting me to be absent, you brought, you, you brought on a guest and sort of, I think, I think somebody told me and I forgot. And then, so I didn't include them in the phone call and you all were like, where's our guest? And I, and I was all like, um, 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 uh, hmm. Oh, that guy. And so I guess reluctantly we'll welcome. No, just kidding. Not reluctantly. We love having him on the show. He's a great guy was, was a regular for a bit and now comes in for the, the occasional guest stint. Let's welcome in our good friend, PC Tony. Tony, how are you, sir? I know you're doing your homework right now while I'm bringing you onto the show, but just say a quick hello for the fans. Hi, everybody. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, like I said, gentlemen, we we have a two-part show today. Uh, and not in the sense of, like, we always split the show in half, but usually the first half of the show, we talk about a bunch of little sound bites and stuff, but there's just too much DC fandom stuff to talk today. And when I was putting together the, the, the rundown, I just started doing bullets of things I knew we were going to have to cover. I know that it's not everything. I know that there's at least one significant omission that Dave is going to want to talk about. DP will probably want to talk about too. I just ran out of ran out of time and room. Didn't want a seven page like every single thing that we saw at DC Fandom on there, which is why other takeaways is the last bullet on the rundown, guys. But before we get into all of that, we got to talk about the first half 
of the Umbrella Academy. We watched uh, season two. We watched season two episodes one through five. Confession. Watched two episodes last night after I got off work. And then three episodes this morning, starting at like 9 a.m. and crammed through it. So fresh I in your mind, then. At least the last three episodes are really fresh in my mind. But I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I, I did my homework. I'm kind of proud of myself that I got through. I was worried I wasn't going to get it done. And I was just going to have to be like, yeah, uh-huh. Totally. Oh, my gosh. That was so amazing. I remember when that happened. Right. And, and I don't have to be that guy today. So that's that's good. Nice. I watched uh, f- what episode two, three, four and five Friday night with my wife, my niece, because they're because the, now I'm caught up with them. You know, so we just mm. and we just kept rolling. And, and I'm not a much of a binge watcher. I just can't sit that still for that long. But but had a few cocktails, sat there and watched it and genuinely enjoyed it. And uh, it was yeah, it's like, yeah, let's just keep going. So like 1230 at night. <laughs> one in the morning on Saturday morning, we were like, okay, that's it for now. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a bingeable show. That's for sure. At least the first half of this season was, well, it's helpful. These, these ones are helpful to be bingeable when the story kind of just continues to roll on and it's like, Oh God, you want right. to get into the next one. So these ones are a lot more easier to binge because you just don't want to stop. A- absolutely. I thought the narrative has flowed a lot better here. And and part of that is just because season one, like every other season one, really you got to find your footing for the first half of the show. And with the Umbrella Academy in particular, because there's so many characters, you know, you've got seven primary characters. And if you're wanting to do them all justice, you really have to spend a lot of time telling their stories and their relationships, which, you know, everybody who listened last week knows, I don't think they did the best of job with that. And struggled with some of the connections and the builds because I felt like the end of the season didn't. I didn't feel like we earned the season finale that we got, for for lack of a better way of describing it. I just so, felt like there was stuff lacking. Yeah. So I mean, I obviously have kind of binge watched the whole thing. So um, we know my my question. My question ultimately, I guess, to start is. You know, how do you guys like how they kind of broke everybody up? I know Dave, I think it was Dave who mentioned that, you know, where are they going to go when they, you know, after season one ended, he's like, they could fall into different timelines. And sure enough, they kind of did. Like a few of these ended up in a in sense a year apart from each other. It's a uh, whoa, 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 whoa. I was the one who said you they were, were scattered one. through time. Damn Don't right. be given Dave. Don't be giving Dave my credit. And I confirmed it because I read the description for the I first episode. I got the episode. bell and everything. I got the bell. You gave me Dead. the ding, 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 ding. Oh, the bell doesn't work either anymore. Where's, a- where's AJ? Wah, we need AJ wah, in wah, here. That's <laughs> why so I need to listen back to my own episodes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, I how do you guys, how do you guys, I, yeah, me too. I, how do you guys want to, ha- I mean, how do you handle this to break it down? I mean, the general gist, I guess, could be that the apocalypse has something to do with the assassination of John F. Kennedy and dad is the man on the grassy knoll. And that's, that's the general gist of it. Here's, here's the thing that I, I actually love where we stopped doing the watch through because this really felt like a mid season finale. Like if you were to watch like a long game TV show, like AMC, we'll use the walking dead as an example. The walking dead delineates an entire season between two halves. And that first half, which usually airs at the beginning in October and ends in early to mid-November, has that – like, 
I don't even remember what they call it, but it's a it's a mid season finale. That's what they call it. We watched to the mid season finale, and I lo- I I really liked these first five episodes because while some of the plot lines and threads are a little predictable and tropey, they're still very well told. They're still very good, and unlike season one, a lot of payoffs felt earned and just perfect and and i loved it and i'll use uh vanya's relationship with and here i go again gonna forget her name sissy uh sissy that relationship and the way that that is built from when vanya lands getting hit by the car to the inevitable breakup for lack of a better way to describe it where her heart is broken after we see that relationship fully blossom into these two women love each other and then it just all comes crumbling apart because we're in the 60s and the family unit is still the goal. And Sissy can't give that up. And she's afraid to give that up. She talks about feeling trapped. And it was just so the acting and, and the connection between those two in that storyline and that thread. I loved it. Like they fall in love. They recognize each other. They're kindred spirits in this idea of feeling trapped confined in a box which is all that Vanya was going through in season one and here she is hearing this and even though she doesn't remember what happened in season one spoiler alert she understands her and it's just beautiful and amazing I love like that's my favorite plot line through the first five episodes is that relationship and watching it build build, blossom and fall apart because my heart broke for Vanya in that in that fifth episode it really did yeah, it's uh, I love what they've done about staying very true to the timeline that we are in right now, which is the 60s, right. which is segregation is still obviously in Dallas, Texas, a huge issue. Well, uh, the Civil Rights Act hasn't been passed yet. Man. Right, right. Exactly. And, and and that and then, of course, you know, the the idea of, of you know, same sex relationships are not going to be accepted in the 60s, but we knew they existed. And like you're saying, right. Patrick, the, the situation with Vanya and Sissy where they clearly love each other, but, she, you know, Sissy can't she can't just break away from Carl, even though he's a drunken douchebag, uh, you know, and, right. that, and that whole thing. Um, interesting thing about that is Harlan, the, the kid who I, I guess he's got autism pretty badly is my guess as to if I was going to, you know, TV diagnose him. Uh, but. You know, interesting thing, Vanya saves him and she clearly breathes something of her power into him to bring him back, which leads to, okay, the next, what does it all mean? What is that? Is is he, is he the, the linchpin for the apocalypse? I think one of the best parts about season two so far has just been watching the progression of this family coming back together, which scattered through time, they all kind of come back together and and they seem to be stronger now than where we left them at the end of season one, which was unified for a purpose, but very reluctantly so. And and now outside you, of Luther, Luther's got some issues. Luther's definitely got Bless some his issues. Heart. But uh, you know, he's he's uh, he's what he he's fighting bare knuckle fighting for Jack Ruby, and then he yeah. uh, lets his emotions get in the way, and now he's on the outs with Jack, and uh, Diego's focused on uh, taking out Lee Harvey Oswald, and then you got. Who Lila? Is that is that the the? Lila. Oh man, yep. she rapidly became one of my favorite characters in very short order, because um, she plays crazy real well and she's very far from it. Right. So let's catch everybody up because I think 
it is important. Like we, Dave, you kind of glossed over a rapid recap, but just going going through this. So everybody in episode one, we get a very clear timeline of every single character, basically one year after another, which is kind of fun. Uh, just how further along in the early 60s they landed until we get to about 1963. Yeah, it's yes. like a week out or something. And we, we get everybody in where they landed and we end with five who, if everybody recalls from the end of season one, tried to teleport everybody back in time to prevent the first apocalypse. <laughs> Oops. And as he lands and walks around in the, you know, in the opening moments of season one, or um, episode one, season two, there's a pitched battle going on in the streets of Dallas, Texas, between what looks like American soldiers and the Soviets, and the rest of the Umbrella Academy is showing up, and they are kicking ass all over this battlefield before Russian nukes start to descend upon them and kill them, you know, and are about to kill them all and create the apocalypse. And Hazel shows up just before that and tells Five, if you want to survive and save your family, come with me. Give gets ready to, you know, take him away when these three weird looking blonde dudes the who we learn later are called how to cut me off. Later we learn are called the Swedes, try to assassinate five and get Hazel, but not before Hazel slips a canister of film into five's pocket and gives him a briefcase where five goes back in time and begins to try and track down his family. That then kicks off the then finding the family and bringing them back together. And by the time we get to episode five, they're mo- everybody's reunited. And we're, and we're now trying to see what the apocalypse is going to be and how will they prevent it. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned the Swedes. Those guys, they start off so badass. And then as it goes along, they just kind of like go downhill pretty quickly. You know, having a Viking funeral for a, a, a portion of the one dude's foot. leg. I thought that was hilarious. What I did too. About? It's hilarious, but great. it's just, it's just like, this is ridiculous, but it, it, it is ridiculous in a fun way. But I mean, yeah, you've got, you know, you've got uh, Allison who is married, which is something Luther has to deal with. Vanya has no memory of, of anything that's happened. Uh, you know, you, you got you got five who's got his own issues. The handler is still around. She gets demoted and uh, but she's still there. And and I mean, there are obviously a lot of moving parts going on. And the gist of it is now we're moving to the point of try. Uh, go ahead, Patrick. And, well, when, and when you talked about Lila, you left out the important part that she's the handler's adopted daughter. Yeah, because the handler had her parents killed. And then she took her. She's, she is Lila's adopted daughter. Like, whatever. I see no problem with this. If you want a child, just take it. Yeah. Just you know, shoot the parents, parents in the back it. of the head. Take the kid with you. Why not? I thought that's what they did back then. Tra- yeah, it's the 60s, man. I mean, it was a different time. Yeah. Was that back then? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that is back then. No. <laughs> I can't remember what the time frame was is when they when they put her down. I love, by the way, that the handler gets to be present in this time stream in the 60s because the costuming for her character in part- is just awesome. It's so great, like very stylish for the times. And she's always stylish, like her character just always coming in in those dresses, looking just dressed to the nines. But when she shows up every time, it's like you are a fashionista and it's amazing. Well, and yeah, finding she's getting demoted for not being able to take care of number five and the whole commission and adding in Carmichael, um, which is a very oddball character as well. Mm -hmm. Is that it's, the fish? It's really strange. Is that the, the fish? fish head? The fish head. Yeah, yeah. the talking fish. 
who smokes. Just, I love it. He smokes. He blows the, the smoke rings come through. It's awesome. It's the only guy I know. Yeah. That's the only guy I know. I mentioned him on the TriCast. Nice. Yes. <laughs> ah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, without, uh, Go ahead, DP. I was just going to say, without trying my best not to spoil yeah, don't anything give it away. for the last don't five. Give it away. Um, just Actually, what do watch. I care? I'm not going to be here next week. That's true. So uh, everybody dies now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's a surprise. Uh, no, just that for me, season two at the beginning here just felt so recycled. It felt like we're just going through the exact same thing that we went through in season one. Vanya doesn't know anything about herself. She doesn't know her powers. Yep. Uh, you know, Luther's lost and, you know, everybody's still trying to get back together. There's another apocalypse. We don't know who's going to cause this one yet, but he has something on this film. Um, you know, Hargreaves is going to be, looks like shooting JFK, and that's probably going to be the start of this whole thing. Allison is in less than a year, got married and doesn't want to tell the family or her husband about her powers, you know, and same for the same reasons. Like, I don't want, you know, like she did with her kid, you know, I don't want but, to, you but know. Here, have to... But here we are at the end of season five or at the end of episode five and she's sitting down and going, I'm going to tell you everything. And right. I actually, I'm sure that's, that's going to go over time, well. That is the first time, by the way, guys, where I've been like, I kind of want to see how this goes and almost broke the pact. I almost cheated. <laughs> and, nerve of you, Patrick. I, you know what? I held it in. I kept it together because I'm any, if I'm, if I'm nothing else, I very much believe in our rules. This isn't Nam. There are rules. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah. Which speaking of speaking of character speaking of Dom, we haven't even talked about Faust yet. Klaus and him starting a, or Klaus. Yeah, I always call him Faust. I don't know why because he's like a devil. He's offering. He's getting. He's offering terrible. Getting offered terrible choices. But Klaus going and starting a cult, a, a hippie <laughs> religious yeah. cult thing, while at the same time trying to find his his lover from when he is trapped in Vietnam and stopping him from enlisting. from going, yeah. and that just goes horribly horribly wrong. Yeah, Cla- uh, yeah, Klaus remains Klaus remains my favorite. I, he's my favorite character. I, I think he's got the most most depth to him. Interestingly enough, because he is just yeah, he's a cult leader that he doesn't want to be a cult leader, so he escapes to the mansion, leaves the cult behind, but they track him down. But yeah, he wants to stop Dave from enlisting, and uh, yeah, that like you said, Patrick, that goes terribly wrong for him as he gets punched in the mouth by his future love, and that forces him to start drinking again. Which you wonder, okay, does that have serious ramifications? Because if Klaus is back on the bottle, how does that impact his ability to, you know, it wasn't until he got sober where he not only could conjure Ben, but make Ben tangible. And now right. you wonder if that is going to be impacted, uh, what happens to Ben? I mean, does Ben lose his ability to break through? Or is this something separate with Ben? Can he break into the physical world without Klaus. That's an interesting thing. I was going to ask you, Hargreaves, does anybody but me think that Liam Neeson should have played Hargreaves? Because he just reminds me of Qui-Gon Jinn on so many occasions, you know? We can't have Liam Neeson be in everything. Why not? I I personally love the guy who's playing Hargreaves right now. I do too. But I mean, dude, if we can have so much Hugh Jackman as fucking Wolverine, why can't Liam Neeson be in everything? Because he's already kind of in everything. Like, 
Sorry, he's not in the Umbrella Academy. Like, I don't, uh, I don't got nothing for you. I know, he's just, busy at the time. It just, it, it did. I got this Qui Gon feel where uh, he gets in a fight with Diego in, uh, what was it, the second episode he and stabs his him. Ass. He cheats. I loved it, too, because oh. you could see Diego completely overestimated him. Yeah. Which we haven't even talked about Hargreaves in the 12. What the hell is the 12? We get to learn all about this whole or, other or organization. Or that Grace was a real person. Grace was yes, a real Grace person. Grace was a real person. And yep. and kind of hit on Diego, who was very confused. Understand? <laughs> it was it was hilarious. That was a fun interaction. It was like there. this He's weird, like, uh... like, "You're my mom," but yet I could still kind of read that maybe he was a little attracted to the robot mother figure human being. And then we get we you know in those last two episodes we get a backstory on Pogo and yes. how Pogo came to be. Yeah. With uh, and you learn that she was researching or was using, you know, was working with him as they tried to, you know, launch chimps into space, and how he got his intellect because that serum that Hargreaves presents and they inject inject Pogo with clearly is what set him on the path to giving him human like qualities. Right, and is that the same serum that Hargreaves gave to Luther to save him that turned Luther more ape like? So. Does this serum swing both ways, for lack of a better term? Well, 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 well. Well, the thing I, the, the thing, part <laughs> of what they did bow, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's you. Season two was uh, if it if it made the chimp much smarter, it certainly made Luther much dumber because they they made him look well, like a gigantic idiot. <laughs> he's been a gigantic idiot since about it's episode like, eight. He's supposed of to be the leader. One. He is, but he sucks at it. He's so bad at it because <laughs> he's, he's such a. He's such a take order sort of guy. Yeah. So I'm going to yeah. put this in. I'm going to put this in Dungeons and Dragons sort of terms. He's lawful neutral. He is follow the rules, do what I'm supposed to do all the time. And he's in crisis right now over it because that order does not work for him. It just is not working for him. And every time he tries to deviate from it, shit goes wrong. You know, I'm going to get drunk and hide a rave. Oh, that didn't go so well. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I loved him just sitting in the barbecue stand when he's thoroughly depressed after learning about Allison. He's just at the table, just stuffing his face with barbecue because that's kind of my, that's kind of my spirit animal. Like I (laughs) love barbecue. There is a place locally around here. I haven't been there in forever, but it's, uh, it's called Bub's barbecue and it's unlimited sides. And it's all like just just amazing Southern style sides with barbecue, whatever you name it. They've slathered it in barbecue sauce and roasted it on a spit somewhere. It's delicious. It's amazing. And now I need to figure out if I can get some takeout. Well, you fall. You're we're fr- friends on Facebook, and uh, so you know yeah, what I've I do. Seen, every I've seen every picture of your fucking briskets hey, that man. you put on Facebook. If WrestleMania dimensional photos. If WrestleMania happens, buddy, come on out. I'll I'll, I'll be happy to cook something for you. I just want to be one of the the pictures in the stands. I want I want to be one of the virtual the virtual fans. <laughs> virtual fans. Oh. You can well, sleep too. Yeah. Welcome to the welcome to the biggest Zoom call on the planet. That's true. So, right. So when we wrap up episode five, there is a there is a sense of impending doom, but no real sense of unity and purpose. It appears that Luther and Diego have a decision to make and that they're going to do it. And that is they get an invitation from their father to have dinner. Their father who swore off wanting anything to do with children. 
Now somebody invites them to dinner. Hmm. They're gonna they're gonna talk. They're gonna break bread. He doesn't understand who these people are and is trying to figure out what is their motivation. Right, which if you look at Hargreaves as a character makes total sense based on season one. Like he's nothing if not about pursuing other ends and knowledge and oddities and mysteries. Like there's there's certainly a an element of experimentation about this guy to where something like this would intrigue him. I mean particularly he, when Luther's like, I'm from the future. I'm here I'm here to hug you, Dad. Like basically that's what it Right, and, and and Hargreaves, you know, he's 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 acknowledging, yeah, I know time travel is possible, but this isn't it, you know, that sort of thing. Um, right, Vanya is 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 the you know we all know what she did in, in the first season, so she seems to be hanging by a thread right now, and that thread could quickly unravel. And see, you know, but but I but in episode I see her one, as more stable. I do. I see her I do as too. way more stable this time around. Yeah, she seems to be more accepting of things. She, she, she knows how to channel her power and control it a lot better. At least she did that with the, with the kid. Um, but yeah, I mean, how still tied to emotion though. True, true. And, And how she manages her emotions is going to be integral to what goes down these last five episodes. Well, and we got, you know, Lila as well. Five pretty much figured it all out, figured her out. Of course he did. Not the end of that. Five's and now there. five's gone off with the handler, presumably to talk about another yep. deal. I imagine she's going to try. We, and... we always we always making deals with the handler. It's always and a deal. And it I never goes five. right. Why would they continue to try and befriend themselves? Well, I have a feeling for their she's own personal gain. She's got to be setting him up for some revenge because after what he did to her last time, this has got to be a setup of some sort. Well, yeah, I mean nothing. Nothing goes well. Like no relationship, no plot, no plan. Because you wouldn't have a TV show if everything worked. Can I ask you guys something? So, what? Why is five yeah, not changed? Why is five not changed his outfit through fifteen episodes now? Because it's his gimmick, dude. You do you actually do podcasts about professional wrestling, and you're asking about con- costume changes? I'm just saying, you know, he could at least like, get something different. His hair, you know his better. hair, his hair's darker in season two. So why not can change I, his clothes? Can I tell you what? His socks. That's all I hope. There, I hope so. Can too. I tell you what legitimately worries me, honestly? Because I don't, I as someone who never read the comics and doesn't know, did this series come to like a conclusion or is it still running? Like I never read the books. It's still running. So they basically there was two volumes when the first season came out, and they were right. finishing the third one. Gotcha. And, and now the third one had obviously come out before season two. Um, so I, it's still going. I, I'm, you know, kind of waiting for them to do the next volume. But as far as what's out there right now, it's it's kind of over. Um, gotcha. The story is still going to continue. Well, as popular as my the series concern, is, it, it, they're going to do more for sure. My yeah. my concern here is, will the show eventually branch from whatever's being done by the authors of the comic? more fully than it already has. Again, haven't read the book, so I'm sure it already has in some way, shape, or form. But with five being a 58-year-old stuck in a child's body, when you hire child actors, unfortunately, things happen. They age. I love the kid that is playing five, and I don't want him to stop. And so if there is some sort of rule going on with the character of five where he doesn't age through the comic, that becomes a challenge on the show because you can't make the show as fast as you can produce. Well, and the comic is static. Like you, you draw it and it is child actors can't do that. 
I love the kid that plays this plays this character. I love the character. Five is my favorite, far and away. I love that he is such an insufferable, arrogant prick of a human <laughs> all the time. He's just a know-it-all asshole who walks around just taking champagne glasses off trays, drinking his booze all left and right, is always like got to be the smartest MF in the room, even when he's not, even when he's shown up. I love him so much. He's my guy. And he only gets better in the last five episodes. I'll tell you that it only gets. Damn better. yeah! <laughs> and All so right. far, I'm gonna be. I'm. I'm interested to find out what's gonna happen because I, I think at the. I'll, I'll at least say at the end of season two, and the end of the volumes of the comics that are out, they pretty much have reached both of their climax points. They've. They've. The endings have mirrored up, and now they're at the same point in a story. So. Gotcha. Well, at wherever way it ends up going is going to be all new for the comics, but and the and the and the show. So everything kind of gets lines up towards the end here as we get to the end of the comics and the, and the show. So awesome. that's kind of a cool thing. And obviously, yeah, they've they've added in some stuff and you know had to make it you know a little more put in more some more detail for the show than than what was in the comics and straight a bit. But ultimately, the storyline ends kind of in the same place. Well, for what it's worth. I don't think that Vanya is the linchpin behind this apocalypse because it's, it's too heavy handed in the way that it's being described. Like there's that whole scene where they're all sitting around and being like, well, how's Vanya going to cause the apocalypse this time? What's Vanya going to like, they, they keep making that joke. It's a little too heavy handed for my taste. I do wonder Dave, and I could be completely wrong on this. I wonder if the kid is, isn't something to do with it. Uh, I wonder if he's still in the state that he was in since being healed. He hasn't spoken or done anything since that moment has happened. So I'd be really interested to see if that continues. And the other, and the other thing is, is it could be something to do with the 12. I just don't think that it just, it seems too telegraphed to be Vanya all over again. I agree. And I, I I would not be surprised if it is linked to Harlan. Uh, We've seen his blow ups without powers. Uh, right. And now if he and maybe he doesn't have powers, who knows? Right. But if he is imbued with powers now and he has a, a blow up like that, um, yeah, that could be cataclysmic, you know, <laughs> with all that emotion behind any a fraction of what Vanya has. That could be a problem. So and, we'll and we saw at the beginning of season one there when, like I said, when five finally dropped in. And he saw the apocalypse happening. You saw all of the Umbrella Academy helping to fight off the Soviets. Vanya was there front and center. Right. You know, Ben was helping. Everybody was there. So when the bombs were dropping. So is there another person that kind of starts this thing? Where where does everybody fit? I in? don't know. Are still there? What do you know? Yeah, what do you know? Just, what do you know? Just saying. Tell us your secrets. Tell us your secrets. It could be anybody. It's PC oh, Tunny. Well, PC Tunny caused the apocalypse. Yes. Ah, uh, damn it! I knew it. I, I'm. I am sad that next week I, I won't be able to talk about the wrap of of the season of season two. I will still watch it on time, of course. But your schedule unfortunately, could change again. You never know. We're you know we're going to talk about that at the end of the show. I'm going to talk to you. But I'm going to tell the listeners kind of what's going on with Patrick O'Dowd's life in the like weekly coronavirus update and how it is messing with my world. But 
Yeah, great first great first half of the season. Far more encouraged on the direction of the show. Even though, and I agree with you, DP, that it's a little bit of a rehash. I think it's a better told rehash, if that makes sense. Like, it just feels like it flows much better. And, and so I've, I've gotten way behind it. So yeah. that's going to do it, I think, for, for episodes one through five of season two. Put a nice little bow on the first half of the Umbrella Academy. I do want to talk a little bit about the nerd review. I, I put it on here. I really enjoyed, for those of you who don't remember, we reviewed a movie, a recent movie, for a change. We we reviewed Project Power on Netflix, Jamie Foxx's vehicle, at the suggestion of, of the scientists. And we Very were all sorry. excited. And then we watched the movie. And let's just put it out there. There's a new East German judge on the, new, on the Nerd Review. And his name is DPP. FNA Cotton, I had to. Yeah. I have to. You were you were only a, you were only a half point lower than I was. You you went one point five. I went two. And then Paula Abdul on the other side of the room, David Ungar, giving it a three. And so the whole point of me having the nerd review up here, Dave, I got to ask, when you review these films, because I think we come from a different starting point. See, I started at 2.5 because we have a five-point scale. So you are at the middle when I start the movie, and then I scale backwards or forwards. And if I'm going to recommend a movie as good to watch, it's going to start at 3. Actually, it'll start at higher than 2.5 because I, I am not above being weird with the de- the decimal points just so that we can have funky averages. But like I saw, I saw the 3, and then I read your review, and I was like, how's that a 3? So how do you do this, man? Like, like, we're going to put you on the spot. Spotlight on you. <laughs> I just, like I told you, I th- for me, a three is an average. A three is average for me. But no, so three is not average. 2.5 is average. Well, I mean, yeah, if you're dividing it right down the middle, sure. But I mean, I just, look at, it as, I just look at it like, what, in school, a, a 3.0 is what, a C? And a C is average. So are you, are you, that's no, kind no, of no. where I approach B. it from. No, a B, B is a four, isn't it? No, no that's an A. That's an A? Fuck. Yeah. Well, maybe you're right. Most most grading scales are on a 4.0, yeah. All right. Now I got to rethink everything. No, um, I don't know, man. You started at 2.5. For me, a three's just, in my opinion, a three's three's average. I I mean, I didn't hate the movie. I thought it was okay. But, um, I mean, I I like the acting and that sort of thing. It's no dumb and dumber, that's for sure. No, you're right. It's not. (laughs) For sure. Not as... Not as good as Rise of Skywalker, though, as I said in the chat, which stunned you, Dave. Dave was, was not ready for that assessment. I was shocked. Absolutely shocked. But, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's just, for yeah. me, that's an average. For me, that's an average score. If, if I like it, but I don't absolutely hate it, if it's not like Punjabi prison sort of shit, then, you know, it'll probably score in a three or something like that. But I love that you like to run with the most racist WWE gimmick match that there is out there no just i the run with the worst match. gimmick match that there has nothing to do with race it's just the worst I'm not, one I'm not that they saying, do. I, I mean it's pretty racist man like just even the just because they call it that they made a cage out of bamboo implying that all of india is fucking poor shit anyway main export right right all right all right all right no so go check out the nerd review it's on the chairshot.com ding we were tough on this film, but it did get me to thinking. I I really enjoyed doing a movie that was recent uh, and new and relatively unwatched. 
that was that was kind of fun and i thought it allowed us to flex muscles in a different way and let me tell you why there was no preconceived notion of what i was going to say going into that review before we actually did it like everything else you know movies we've seen before we already i already had an idea of what i was going to say before like doing a rewatch and this time you just kind of got to take it all in fresh and and write it and so i'd kind of like to do that again and I know that you brought it up. I'd like to give Netflix a second chance. I'm thinking we do the old guard since I've been all about this and it's Charlize Theron. And how can that be bad? I mean, we, we saw it. Jamie Foxx made a bad movie and, and I'm not a big Jamie Foxx fan, but I expect better. Yeah. We, but just, I think saw, we, we just saw how we hundred percent saw how it I mean, I'm, but, I'm down to watch the old guard. Sure. Why the hell not? All right. I, I mean, I it's like, it's like, like Platt Blast 2020 sure. can't get worse. Right. Tony buy the t-shirt. Do not support the campaign. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm an independent voter and I could be swayed. Do you really want to live in a country run by Christopher Platt and Andrew Belaz? Again, can't do worse. <laughs> I don't have to, I, I don't necessarily need to concern about them dying from old age. Should they, either of them get elected? Young, <laughs> vibrant, fresh minds, Tony. That's what we need. Right. right. Wait, no matter what you hear, I was never their campaign manager ever. I never accepted the job. Uh, Great. All right. And so here's the thing is if we do the old guard for this week, Bill and Ted come out, comes out next Friday. Now that's up to you all. Cause that one would require us to actually spend some money to, to rent and watch. So we can talk about that off world a little bit, but that, that movie debuts something else. Dave, what, what was the other one that debuts on the 28th that we were new, talking about? New, Dave new mutants, doesn't it? New mutants only in theaters though. Right. Allegedly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have any of those open yet, so I'm I'm SOL there. Thanks a lot, Baker. Even if you did, would you really want to go? Uh, no bueno. No siree, Bob. So, yeah. So next week we will do, or for this week's uh, Nerd Review, we're going to do the Old Guard Stars early, so they're on. We'll talk about Bill and Ted face the music. It sounds like my where we might be going with this. I, I think it'd be a fun, a fun way of spending some money and maybe – put some current stuff out there and yeah, I think we've got a plan because our polls though. I did like whoever put up the uh, Dave. I'm assuming it was you put up the DC fandom. Poll. I, I did. And I, you know, I mean, garnered more votes than our last two movie. Well, polls. there's so a there's there specific go. reason I did it and tagged it. And we don't have to talk about that on the air, but there is a method oh. to the madness. So, <laughs> Oh, look at you. Try. You didn't have to tell everybody you were trying to game the system. That's okay. No, but, buying buying listeners we we need all 23 of you back come back listeners yeah come back we miss you come home okay we're gonna take a break we are going to take a break because when we come back we have a whole chunk of stuff to talk about as we got all the news that came out of uh dc fandom this past weekend before we do that it is my honor-bound duty to remind you all that we are Playing here on the Chairshot Radio Network as a part of the Chairshot.com. Please, if you love our shows, if you love uh, Bandwagon Nerds or A Winner Is You or DWI Podcast or the Greg DeMarco Show, the Miranda Show, Three Man Weave, all of them, go support us by heading over to Pro Wrestling Tees, uh, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the Chairshot and buy a shirt, one of the many shirts that are available. DP getting got two now. Saw the second shirt. You got the, you got yeah. the Zelda shirt. Gotta it's love it's it. dangerous to go out there alone. Buy the right. shirt. 
So when we come back, we're going to talk some DC fandom. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on thechairshot.com, part of the Chairshot Radio Network. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. All right. Welcome back, gentlemen. It's now 3 o'clock-ish on the East Coast here on Sunday. The show will drop tomorrow. DC Fandome is officially in the books. Ended at 1 p.m. this afternoon. 24 hours of DC news and content. Most of us got excited about, or most of what the excitement was for the show, or for this this little virtual conference, has been about movie news. Though there was a lot of television show news as well, some comic news. I just want to, I want to start by talking about reacting to this concept as a whole. Because what, I don't know about you guys, I really liked parts of it. There were other things that if, in a perfect world, if I had to do it differently, I would do differently. Uh, so just to give everybody who may not have watched an idea of what this was, is so DC set up for 24 hours, basically a virtual Comic-Con with their product and, and the, and the uh, television shows, movies, some comic news in this block of eight-hour panels. And they opened everything up um, with, their, with their eight hours with a panel for Wonder Woman 1984. They closed it with uh, Matt Reeves doing an interview and talking about the Batman. And in between, we basically got a gamut of everything that was going on DC over these eight hours. And there was some neat stuff that was in there as well, some fan-generated uh, recognition. I, I came across one check with some fan art. There was a nice little CNN heroes segment that was done there that was stuff about like real life people and what they're doing currently in the world as we go through this pandemic and and how folks are trying to help one another and it was all done in this like virtual set and it was hosted by what was it aisha taylor aisha tyler i can't remember her several pronoun. hosts as it went along well but the but, but the primary host was um i think it was aisha taylor who she's been in a ton of stuff she does stuff on the cw shows um, and um, has been various characters in the DC DC universe uh, at different points. And so she was the host. There were a bunch of other hosts that were worldwide hosts that spoke various languages that kind of came in and did things to introduce various panels or host them. And it was all done on this virtual set that was drawn by, and I'm gonna, his name is going to escape me. Do you remember Dave or DP? Like Jim Lee or something like that? Well, I mean, I don't know if it's Jim Lee or not. I mean, I got I got comments about Jim Lee that I wanted to run by you guys, but I don't remember who did off the top. Probably Jim. Right. So it looked really it looked really interesting. It looked really neat. Um, but reactions. Well, just about the experience in general. How did you all think it went? I mean, I thought it was kind of cool. Um, I think they tried to make it a little more like, you know, you being there. You know, more than just it being panels or whatever, just people on Zoom kind of thing, like it was for the Comic-Con at home one. And I know Aisha Tyler did a lot of, you know, the 
led a lot of the panels on the Comic-Con one as well, too. You know, she's part right. of Archer and, and a lot of other stuff, too. So she's all over the place. Um, but I, that was my kind of my initial takeaway was like, well, they tried to make it more like you were there, you know, one at kind of one panel after another, you know, that type of thing, which was I think I think it came off a little bit better than the Comic-Con one. Um, it just it's nice for people that don't get to go to Comic-Con or whatever, to be able to enjoy right. this kind of stuff at home. Um, and I think, you know, I think it was a, I think it was a good try. I can say it that way. And then that they can definitely build on it. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully this is means more to come. Cause I, I would definitely enjoy being able to in, watch these kind of things without having to actually have to go, you know, in the future. Absolutely. I loved it, man. I thought I thought it was done really well. I thought the length of the panels was good. They varied it up because when you were first looking at the schedules, like, how do I watch? You know, they got two panels going on at the same time. No, they don't. It just means that if one panel is like five minutes and then the next one's 30 minutes. But it was great because you could just start it in the morning, you know, when it launched and you could just watch it all day. You didn't have to worry about jumping from panel to panel. You didn't have to worry about missing something. Um, they smartly looped it twice. So, you know, if you missed something right. the first time around, you could watch it again. Uh, it, it didn't, to me, it didn't feel as disjointed as uh, Virtual Comic Con was. And of course, that's easy because it's just one company and you're not splitting yourself amongst 10 different things. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just different aspects of DC. But I, I, I enjoyed it a lot more than Comic Con. I, I thought, like DP says, they kind of brought you in a little bit more. They made it feel a little bit more personal than Comic Con just felt like. It wasn't like. Even like the Suicide Squad panel, which I know we'll get to, uh, didn't feel like like the the boys panel. You just had a bunch of people looking at you, and you felt this is weird. But the Suicide Squad panel had twice as many people, but they were all engaged. So, I, you know, it had a different feel to it for me. I, I greatly right. enjoyed it. It was informative. It was fun. There were some surprises. There's a few disappointments along the way, sure, but by and large, I thought it was really good. I think. They had the advantage of pulling together these these calls and these panels after seeing how it didn't work with Comic Con. I don't know that that's how it really went. Like to me, it was fairly clear that some of these calls and it seemed like a lot of it was pre done. So like they'd already happened. I don't know how much of it was live versus how much of it wasn't live and sort and sort of the presentation of it all. But I do agree. I agree with you 100%. They, the panels themselves just flowed so much better than what happened at Comic-Con. It was clear to me that they they really wanted to make sure they got it right. That moderators were really good on those panels, kept people on task. I liked that they incorporated fan questions. They The, the type of questions they took weren't really all that hard-hitting. So, which you don't ever expect out of a con anyway. Like, you don't expect, like, really tough, like, probing, pushing questions that, that are going to make people uncomfortable. You want folks to have a good time. So, being able to say, like, what most excites you about being cast in Wonder Woman 1984, that's the type of question you're going to get. And that's okay. But what I what I really did appreciate and what I liked was that I would rather have these panels, these calls done moderated done ahead of time and edited so that it does have a better flow and feel about it as opposed to awkward staring moments or silence where everybody's kind of waiting to talk 
And you didn't really have that out of a lot of it. I also liked a lot of the virtual interview ones, and we'll talk about it a little bit more later. But Zach, or not Zack Snyder, but the uh, the Batman, I missed the Justice League panel. Every time it was on was at the wrong time for me. So I just couldn't catch it. But I saw the Batman Matt Reeves interview live as it happened. Just I just that was around around right time when I logged in from home from work and having that like in that interview space and still looking like it was on that virtual stage. I liked those like that. Not every one of these panels was or interviews was a Zoom call, whereas side by side split screen where it looked like even if they weren't in the same place at the same time, it looked like they were in the same place at the same time. And so that kind of gave it this this feel of of some natural stuff. The one thing that I would have loved to have out of this that comic that San Diego did that DC didn't, and I understand why DC didn't do it because there's a feeling of exclusivity of you have to make this time or you'll miss it. But the Comic Con structure of being able to watch those panels after they've aired throughout the period that they're up was nice. You know, and, when, and and I would love, you know, in the future, and this is the first go around, as I think you said, DP, I think it would be great if they had maybe for the maybe it's a, a 48 hour event where for 24 hours it's you have to catch it as it airs. But maybe for 24 hours after it's just a hub and you can catch the panels that you missed and sort of watch some stuff on your own time. Because I would have loved, honest to God, for as hard as I am on Zack Snyder and dislike his his movies in his film. I like watching and not just caught the trailer after the fact. Because I am interested. For as much as I, I, I rag on Zack Snyder, I'm interested in what this is going to look like and what this is going to be. I would have liked to have seen the official announcement of Ben Affleck coming back as Batman for this role and perhaps others. Did they make that? Did, I don't even remember them making the announcement. I mean, he was They made there. the news. Yeah, I, yeah, no, it, it definitely, it definitely made the news that he was signed back on to play Batman at least yeah. for Zack Snyder. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, but I, we'll talk about the, the Zack panel says hi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll talk about the Zack panel. One thing I was going to say about about Jim Lee is as this went on, it has become more and more evident that Jim Lee has now evolved into the Stan Lee of DC Comics. No coincidence, they share the same last name. Obviously, not related, but everything is now flowing through Jim. And, and that was a, a big, yeah. a big point that I noticed yesterday that a lot of guys saying, yeah, this got approved by Jim or, or Jim was involved like three or four different panels. He's um, their Kevin Feige. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, and, and really he has that Stan Lee aura, not on the same level. Of course, I'm not saying that at all. No one, no one matches Stan Lee, but he's evolved into DC's variation of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was cool the way they laid it out. There was a lot of uh, a lot of variety to stuff. It wasn't just movies. The TV shows are, man, titans. Uh, well, we can talk about that uh, when we get to that. But oh, you you can talk about that because I haven't watched episode one of Titans yet. <laughs> titans is, uh, I mean, just the stuff that they did. The best, one of the best parts of fandom. I don't know, DP, if you saw this, the scene in Titans where Superboy and Crypto. The, the, I saw that. That is uh, the the dog crypto just catching that freaking M sixteen missile or whatever it is that's launched and just throwing it back at the asshole who shot that lasering guns and I mean I was like dude that is awesome crypto's fantastic uh, Titans is is gonna be a good I mean it's 
it's one of the best shows that they had. What on the DC Universe wasn't that on on the streaming thing? And now it's coming to HBO Max. Uh, that one yep. definitely looks like it's worth checking out. So that is at Attitude Fanboy spelled B O I. <laughs> Twitter dot com. We knew this was going to happen today, Dave. I, I'm here to temper your expectations. Oh, good. so the way I thought we'd break this down, <laughs> though, is we we know we got the big ones that we want to talk about to, today. We we know we're going to talk about Wonder Woman 1984. We know we got to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League and the Batman. I put on the Suicide Squad as well. And then I thought we'd start, though, with the tidbits. And I got a couple that I put on here. But I think this is a good place there because there were some panels that didn't really tell you a whole heck of a lot, if anything, like Aquaman. And rightfully so. Like Aquaman's not due out till 2024. So four years in advance, what are you really going to get out of James Wan? But, you know, James Wan and Patrick, Patrick, Uh, what's his Patrick Wilson. Yeah. Patrick Wilson basically just did a little brief interview where really all they did was talk about the making of Aquaman for most of it and, and the special effects work and a lot of it, not a lot of news. And I, and it was one of those things, it was clearly one of those things to remind people that Aquaman is the thing that is happening, but that we don't know much about. Um, but a couple of the other panels that I was excited about that I like jumped on that didn't really have much information were Black Adam, where The Rock basically hosted a generic little Q&A and talked to his co-star, and Shazam, where we got the full title, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and we learned that uh, Sinbad, the comedian Sinbad, will be in the movie in some way, shape, or form, which led to a lot of jokes about the urban legend that he was in a genie movie called Shazam, which does not exist because people confuse it with the Shaq movie they called Kazam. It's just this, it's this funny little bit of lore, and now <laughs> Sinbad is now in Shazam. Did they leak that there's going to be a Kazam 2 during that panel? It sure seemed that way. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that happened, but Black Adam... What I thought was the best, the best tidbit of news That's that came out of bro. Black Adam was you saw you got a, you got another look. It was basically all concept art, like just concept art that was being shown while The Rock took questions and talked about it in the background. Though we did get some, we got some exciting concept art because we got Dwayne Johnson in the costume. We the concept art for what that's going to look like. And we got some character announcements that were were pretty huge as we are going to see the introduction of the JSA the Justice Society of America and some characters that probably a little lesser known to a lot of folks Two in particular got my juice flowing uh, as a fan. If even though I'm not a big DC guy, uh, Hawkman is apparently going to be in this and Dr. Fate, which Dr. Fate is the basis of Dr. Strange. So if you love Dr. Strange in the Marvel cinematic, Dr. Strange is a ripoff of Dr. Fate. Every anybody can tell you that, and so seeing the concept art with the helmet and the cape and him just standing there all opposing looking, I I that signed me up. I'm in, like I am down for Black Adam simply based on the fact that Doctor Fate is in this movie. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty exciting that they kind of at least named off some of the other characters that are going to be in here because we surprisingly, I'm kind of surprised we haven't gotten any at least you know video or, or some kind of actual scenes from the movie you know i would think this at least some of them have been already uh you know already filmed or something but um at least gave us a little bit of the you know background of 
how Black Adam came to be, which was kind of cool, you know, if you don't know the story. And then knowing kind of who else is going to be on the film is definitely exciting and leaves you still waiting for this movie to come out. I didn't see the JSA getting involved in the Black Adam story. That kind of really kind of like, wow, okay. I I, I mean, I, I... I mean, I've read enough of his stuff that I don't really recall too much crossover between him and the JSA, but maybe there is. But yeah, I mean, Hawkman is one of those characters. That, uh, go ahead, DP. Oh no, no, I was gonna say like if if they're if the plan ends up being to kind of build this whole thing into you know just like the Avengers, kind of get everything together eventually, that he could definitely put them all together and then make it make it work. Yeah, unless they're gonna do like an Earth Two sort of thing, because the JSA was traditionally on Earth Two. So I don't know if they're going to try and build Earth 2 with Black Adam over there and then have that crossover. Crisis on Infinite Earths, the live-action version, who knows? Tony will be happy about that. So I'm so addicted to the characters on the CW, like what DC's done for television, that it feels weird for me to watch these trailers because like, that's not the Flash to me, you know, and things of that nature. But it's just a tribute to what they've done on the television side of it, and hopefully they can catch up to where they are there in the movies. I don't think they'll ever catch up to where Marvel is as far as cinematically, just because they have such a long road to hold before they can get even to where Marvel is now. And there's no stopping Marvel from moving forward in the future. But it's nice to see that you have a little more balance in the movie theaters. It's not just one side's the movies, the other side's the TV. And speaking of uh, the Flash, they did have a, a whole panel on season seven for the Flash, which um, I haven't watched enough of the show, but it sure looks good. Uh, and a lot of stuff it's, is going on that that just makes me think, you know, like, I guess Flash has lost some of his powers or something like that. Yeah, I have, I have uh, four episodes left in the last season, so I'll let you know next week. Sweet. <laughs> now, the, well, now, the little O'Dowd is big into the Flash. I've watched three episodes of season one. <laughs> you know, it, slowly come to the dark side, my son. <laughs> no, and, never. You know. And what they could be potentially doing as well, you know, if 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 all kind of some of the ideas we've we've kind of had with this whole Flash movie and being that Flashpoint issue where they could be, in a sense, bringing another universe into this thing, a different multiverse, that you can have some of these movies kind of cross over and some of these movies not. Like, obviously, the Batman, you know, we'll talk about all of it, but the Batman's not necessarily part of what they've been building here in this other side. So they do a good job of having these own kind of separate movies, but then they have this other group that they're trying to bring all together. And if this, you know, uh, black Adam with the whole justice society kind of cross coming together and then bringing in flashpoint, they could be building to some other alternate multiverse thing that, you know, unravels itself here, which is kind of cool. I think. Just like in the TV series, there's multiple Flash, right? I mean, you right. could have Robert Pattinson and Ben Affleck. You could have Batman versus Batman down the road, and you, or they maybe they help each other. Whatever you you get that Flashpoint, you get your Infinite Earths, leads to a lot of possibilities. Something that they that's, take advantage. That's a big thing to me, is that this has the potential to either fix a lot of problems with the DC Cinematic Universe, or if it goes poorly really just kind of wreck it or create yeah. create new you know, problems you know, <laughs> yeah. I, and, and i it's i think it's the same problem in marvel because mar they, like we are entering into this new i, I don't want to call it a competition 
I mean, it is a competition. They're competitors. But we're, we're kind of entering into a multiverse arms race here because both uh, cinematic universes are heading that way. Like, Doctor Strange, the Doctor Strange sequel is called The Multiverse of Madness. Like, that is where they are going. And yeah, I saw I saw an article, I can't remember, I think it might have been on Screen Rant, that was talking about now Kevin Feige is starting to look for people who were in Marvel movies before the MCU really started up to kind of involve them. We already know that we've got a Michael Keaton. We already know that Ben Hufflack's back. I mean, Ben Affleck's back. Sorry, I went all the way back to old Saturday Night Live with Ben Hufflack. But um, and yeah, Taika Waititi's in there too. Yeah, Taika Waititi. He's coming over. <laughs> right. So there's just there's a lot there, and both both of these could either these could either really really work. Or they could become too convoluted for people to stick with. Yeah, one of the better panels I thought on Fandom was the panel on the multiverse. It was like multiverse one on one, where they just kind of right. tried to lay it out for you in a way that you could digest and say, okay. I mean, for people who are new to it, they could look at it and say, okay, I kind of get it. There's multiple Earths. There's various different variations of me. With you know, I might be a different gender. I might be this. I might be that on a parallel Earth. So y- you get the general gist of it. But yeah, how they bring all that together. Um, for Marvel and DC is going to be very interesting. I just tell people to watch the introductory credits to the 1990s television sci-fi show Sliders, where Jerry O'Connell explains what parallel universes are. Not a bad bad advice. I love the the blank faces around the the screens right now. Go, Go check out Sliders. It was ahead of its time. The only place I've seen Sliders is White Castle. Oh, I'm so sorry for you. Yeah, I, I feel bad for you too, DP. Every time Greg DeMarco and I get back together, if we're in a region where White Castle is available, we always talk fondly about, oh, we love White Castle. It's so delicious. Why don't we ever go there and get food anymore? So then we go and get White Castle. And then like an hour later, we're like, oh, we we remember why we don't get White Castle anymore. We weren't drunk. We were sober. Or high, like Harold and Kumar. Yeah. <laughs> Single-handedly kept White, White Castle in some serious business for yes, a bit. indeed. So you mentioned you mentioned the Multiverse 101. I, I think I caught a little bit of flash talk. Were there other tidbits that really stood out to you? Video games were, were also a big thing. I mean, yeah. we saw a Suicide Squad video game that's coming from, was it Rocksteady? Is that who's making that one? I think it's yes. Rocksteady. Yes. Suicide Squad is the Rocksteady one. And then Gotham and Knights, Gotham was Knights, Gotham Knights is uh, Montreal. Yeah, the and I don't know about, Brothers Montreal. I don't know about you, DP, but Gotham Knights feels it has Arkham Asylum's fingerprints all over it. I mean, it looked, well, it really played and felt like a similar game. Yeah, it, it kind of is. I, I'm assuming it's going to be, and it's from the same people that did arkham origins which was kind of the offshoot one of the three uh from that arkham series warner brothers uh rocksteady did those but then uh warner brothers montreal did the origins one which was a little you know it didn't get as much fanfare it wasn't as good as the other ones um but it was very similar um in the whole thing so i and this one looks just freaking amazing and i'm assuming is going to be pretty much very similar to the Arkham series that you saw with some, you know, a little bit more additions and no Batman, which is kind of cool. You know, this, you know, in this story, Batman's dead and you play as, you know, 
the other four, basically the, the big four of Robin and Batgirl and Nightwing and um, Red Hood, Red Hood. And then um, there's Batgirl and there's Batwoman, I think, as well. Oh, was there? I, I might have missed I that thought one. there was Batwoman in there. Okay. But, you know, the, the idea of adding kind of co-op to everything and being able to play, you know, with your friend online or whatever is is obviously a big thing these days. So adding that element is pretty cool and having to do some, you know, team up moves and things like that is, is always pretty neat. But, yeah, if you're a fan of the Arkham series at all, this is going to be I from what I can tell from the, you know, watching the trailer and, and the kind of some of the the gameplay, it looks amazing. Patrick, and the Court of Owls is going to be in it, which is yes. awesome. Which I'm, I love, that I love awesome. the Court of Owls story. So I was going to, cool. as soon as I saw them, I was going to text you. I said, "DP Court of Owls." <laughs> uh, yeah, Patrick, I just finished reading that one again too. <laughs> yeah, did you see the Beyond Batman? I did not. No, I wasn't able to. This is one of this is it's really funny because they in this panel. It's not a panel. It's like a little like a little vignette sort of thing. There, what I liked about it, DC wasn't afraid to poke fun at itself. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Was this the one with like where all the different Batmans were talking to each other on the phone? Like there was like the Lego Batman popped up. No, no, that it's a different one than that. This is one oh, where yeah, it's no, like no. there's like a couple of Batman and they're watching footage from the 1960s Batman show with uh, Adam West and Cesar Romero. And no, no, I didn't. I didn't it see is that one. Hilarious, man, because they're like looking at it, and and they're making fun of the fact that Caesar Romero, you can see his mustache through the Joker paint. So they're making fun of the mustache, which I think is a, is a jab at the whole Henry Cavill Justice League thing. Right, and it's right, just right. like that. At the end, it's like, I can't get that mustache out of my head. It's freaking hilarious, man. You you would have greatly enjoyed it. It was like it was like Batman Mystery Science Theater three thousand, where there's nice. two guys who do Batman are critiquing. Gotcha, gotcha. It's phenomenal, and no, I, um, I definitely miss that. But no, I, I saw this little in the midst of it, and it was probably just a little go between or a commercial. But there was this little vignette of various iterations of animated Batman, yeah, trying to get like fast food or something. I can't remember what they were doing. But like they like they just kept calling around to other animated Batmans and like making fun of them. And like yeah. Lego Batman was brought in. Oh, it was about masks because Batman Beyond. They, oh the, yeah, the, right, like, right. Future Batman. He's like, you guys, you guys are talking about people masking up, and all of you got the wrong mask because you cut out the face part. Only my mask is the. Right. It was good stuff. Right. And that's pretty funny. That brings up a good point. Um, I thought they did a good job managing the pandemic. They didn't overstate the right. fact that we all know it's there. They did the CNN right. thing, which was really cool and, and a good look. And they had a, a really good panel that dealt with social justice where it was like nothing. It was like nothing but minority women and one black guy. And he even made fun of himself. He's like, well, being the only guy here, you know, that sort of I thought that panel was done really well. Um, and, and it also I wanted to say it did. They had another panel. I forget what it was, but they were it was comics and stuff like that. And everybody in that it, panel was a surprise one. No, I think it might have been the surprise one, but everybody in there was a minority, right? And yes. it, and it, yeah, because they're it, talking about bringing about they're talking about bringing back milestone. Right, right, exactly. And it brought me back to that article that we kind of went over and and you know, representation. Kinda, yeah, exactly. The the Time Magazine where, where thing. We, where, few, we, where you got really angry for a while, I, I got like, angry. But, I was like, it's okay, man. But I got the red ass. I thought that this panel was a good representation of, hey, look at the progress that's being made. This is nothing but there's not a white guy on there to be seen. So I I like that as well. So um, there is some really good stuff uh, on the Harley Quinn, the animated series. Oh, my Lord. Okay, so (laughs) we've got 
four major movies we got to talk about. So I'm cutting you off, sir, before you Fine. have an accident on your keyboard. No, I'm just saying you should, you should watch the watch the Harley Quinn thing because that is hilarious. I I I still want to watch the show again. HBO Max is proving to be one of the best purchases I could have made for a streaming service as they just keep adding content as the DC stuff explodes. And I know for a fact it's going to take a long time, but eventually the CW shows are going to roll over there. Uh, if, if what I heard is true and what I've seen is true. So fingers crossed that that actually happens, but as they continue to, to kind of roll that stuff out, uh, but Harley Quinn being one of the shows that's available on the D on HBO max to watch is definitely it's, it's there along with um, my desire to check out doom patrol along with um, God, there's and Titans. Titans is the other one that like, they're all there and it's like, I just, I need to find the time. And unfortunately I got to watch five episodes of the umbrella Academy next week. So just don't we'll, let, don't let Connor watch Harley Quinn. It is not a kid. No, show. no, not at all. Not at all. Who do you think I am? Do you really want me to answer that? Anyway, go on. I'm a good, I'm a good father. All right. Listen to the hookers and blow conversation behind your wife. (laughs) (laughs) She's not in the room. What's wrong with this? No harm. Jeez. We've all got secrets. I guess that's the title of this episode. Hookers and blow. (laughs) Nah, it's It's welcome to fandom. It's like, honey, I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. All right. So let's, Let's start. Let's start talking about the films that we saw some some more substantial information from, and let's kick it off with the one that kicked off Fandom itself, and that was the Wonder Woman 1984 panel. We got a nice two plus minute trailer uh, introduced by Patty Jenkins. the The initial panel, as they kind of rolled people in, was Patty Jenkins was the was the first person that they brought on the call, followed by Gal Gadot followed by Chris Pine and Kristen Wiig. Like those were the the ones that rolled in first. And we, and we got to, you know, we got to hear them kind of gush about how excited they are and how happy they are with the movie and, and how great it was before we then got a special surprise appearance from Linda Carter, which was cool. Still and watching looks, people kind of who still looks great. Yeah. It's unfair that Linda Carter looks that good. Isn't it here in 2020? Or or it's totally fair, and I'm okay with it. But we got a trailer. We got a trailer. And here's the thing is, I think at this point, most people know kind of what's what's coming in towards a, in, in the sense of, we may not know the storyline, but we know who's there. But we finally got some reveals of some looks of some things we've been anticipating. And, and so I thought, it was a, I thought it was a fun little trailer. But uh, I'll turn it over to, to you two, or you three first. DP, you know, what were your thoughts? Did you get a chance to watch the Wonder Woman 1984 trailer? Because if you didn't, we made Tony watch them so we could go to him and you can watch the trailer if you need to. I, I did watch the trailers. I, uh-huh. I did watch this one. And gotcha. the first the first thing that I guess got me was Kristen Wiig being the villain, uh, being Cheetah. You know, as you right. kind of see her do that transformation. That's gonna be that's gonna be the selling point for me for this movie is her selling me as a villain because every the only thing I see her as is part of Bridesmaids or the goofy character she played on Saturday Night Live. She, I, serious roles for her has been, you know, not really happened. So her getting this role is very, very interesting. And I'm I'm curious how well she's going to do with this. And, it you know, the trailers, everything looked really awesome. But that's that's the big that was the big takeaway for me was 
you know, I expected this, you know, it to look great and it'd be great. And seeing Wonder Woman lasso a, a lightning bolt was pretty cool. <laughs> right. Um, like lassoing across the sky was kind of boss. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if Kristen Wiig could sell me as being a villain, that's going to be the big, that's going to be what makes or breaks this movie for me. Let me piggyback off of DP here because that's really, I, I had no idea she was actually in the movie. Uh, when then I watched the trailer and I am a gigantic Saturday Night Live fan. I've seen every episode of Saturday Night Live ever. I still record it. I even record the reruns, and if it's a good one, I'll watch it again. She is probably one of the most underrated actors in Saturday Night Live history. She's excellent. I have zero doubt in my mind that she's going to do a phenomenal job with this. So it's one thing for me uh, that I'm really looking forward to. I think you make a great point there, DP. I I have tons of faith in Kristen Wiig. I think what's kind of exciting with Kristen Wiig is that she's going to start off playing a character that is familiar to folks when she's Barbara Minerva. Like it's very clear that she's going to play that, that sort of awkward doesn't fit in type that she's played in a lot of her other films before. And, you know, you heard that refrain throughout the trailer of you've had everything in, in, in reference to Diana Prince and, and you like it's, you've always been the one who's gotten everything and when's it going to be my time and when's it going to be my turn. And so, you know, for me, as I sat there and looked at her, you know, initially she looks like one of those characters, whether it's, you know, out of bridesmaids or some of the other sort of just uncomfortably awkward characters that she's played comedically it's just taking that sort of character type and making it a serious one. I want a better look at the full-on cheetah look. They didn't give us much, and so that and so I'm a little dicey on that, but not so much that I'm like no. And let's not forget that she's not the only villain in this movie. We've also got Pedro Pascal playing Max Lord, who I think is actually the. If, if I were to look at it, it feels like he's more the primary guy versus Barbara Minerva in this one. Maybe it's a balance and a split, but I got the sense that he creates Cheetah throughout the course of this movie. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I can't add a whole lot to what you guys have added. I, lo- I, I love the trailer. I love, you know, the Wonder Woman in the golden suit. That was pretty cool. Uh, you did get the, you know, first kind of real look. You get, you get to see like an early version of Cheetah's outfit. And then later on, a much more fleshed out, much more developed uh, version. Although, like you're saying, Patrick, it was only for a brief instant that you got to see it. It's but... really dark. It's really hard to see, which is I, which I know is intentional. Right. Like, um, you don't want to give it away. There's still nothing about how Steve comes back. You know, they, they, they nope. still haven't tipped their hand on that. Oh, yeah. He's clearly back. Uh, but it's, uh, it was a, but I, yeah, like you DP, I loved the fact that she can lasso lightning bolts with, uh, with the golden lasso is, uh, <laughs> that was pretty cool. It, it was, it so was, help a, me, help me on the comics lore. Is that something that has happened in a comic? I don't think so. Not I mean, I don't I remember, remember, I don't remember it, but I mean, I guess the magic lasso, I mean, that, could la- lasso, that lasso with... is all over that trailer. That lasso, like it does, isn't just that she's roping lightning. Like she's deflecting bullets with it. At one point, she's creating whirlwinds with it, mm-hmm. which I love because when people think about wonder woman, especially if you're a child of the eighties, you think two things you think, well, three things you think Linda Carter, because I mean, hello, you think lasso of truth, you think invisible jet. 
Yeah, maybe I wonder the armbands. Are we going to get the invisible jet out of this whole thing? But she doesn't really need no. it because she can fly. So why bother? She can fly so lightning bolts. Yeah, really. Why do you need yeah. an invisible yeah. jet? So, uh, if there's anything I was disappointed about, it's still no release date. You know, they still October no release. Second, dude. Did they give a release date? That's the targeted release date. Oh. That's the last release date. Well, we'll see. I think hopefully the invisible what jet will really be something to see. I. <laughs> But I'm Ching. Wow. I, so that one really took me a second, and, and I'm embarrassed. <laughs> nice. Well, I wonder. If, I mean, they made the tease kind of a little bit. You know, I, they joked about it with when he got into the plane, and he was like, he was like, "Watch, I watch what I can do when I fly." And he's like, "Wouldn't it, they have radar?" Oh yeah, that that was good. That was you good. <laughs> and I and I do love that we're gonna get a nudge, nudge, wink, wink from fashion to the '80s as he's wearing. Does I'm wearing parachute pants? Does everybody parachute now? <laughs> Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they portray the 1984. For that, the movie was, uh, they went over on the budget for all the shoulder pads they had to buy for Oh, the I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> can, I, can I just say, you know, I didn't talk about this in sort of the, we, we were talking about the aesthetic of DC Fandom, but one of the other sort of little things that I really appreciated out of this versus the San Diego Comic-Con was the unified backgrounds in those Zoom calls. Like everybody had the Wonder Woman 1984 sort of screen background and and uh, there was a joke during the suicide squad trailer with will arnett where he was talking with the developer of the suicide squad game and the developer was like well i just have the i just have the green backdrop that they sent me that i was told to put up so it's clear that dc really thought this true thought thought this through to make sure that it had a good aesthetic and look to it and i really noticed it the most in the wonder woman zoom call where everybody had the backdrop that was the, it was the exact same background. And I thought that was just a nice touch, uh, made it look better, made it ha- make, made it look like it made it look like a, it made a lot of sense. They try to get my words together. Yeah. It makes right. it look more professional or, you right. know, ra- rather than just, yeah. People sitting in a living room is with a, you know, whatever, some goofy ass poster behind them or whatever that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, you know, somebody has got some weird, you know, yeah, patio doors and i see a you know you don't want to see that when you're looking at somebody <laughs> Fuck you you used to live here asshole wow <laughs> such strong language there there are no children listening so it's okay <laughs> they're not one of the <laughs> 20 hookers and blow hookers and blow hookers and blow absolutely okay i intentionally uh put this one in between the next one because i, I want to make dave wait as long as possible to talk about about Zack Snyder. But we, we got James Gunn talking a little Suicide Squad. We got some footage. It wasn't actually really a trailer, so to speak. But we got to see one John Cena is is playing a role in that. He's playing, what's his character's name? Justice? Something like that? Peacemaker? Just, Captain Peacemaker. Justice. <laughs> Which one is he? Hold I don't on. remember. I'm, I'm going to find it. Here's here's the, here's my big concern. And this was this is my legit concern. It's the same thing we talked. John Cena is playing Peacemaker. There are in this movie, and this is what worries me one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Like all of these people are members of the Suicide Squad. That's oh, a yeah. lot. That's a that. But it's, it's it's not questioning that they're members of the Suicide Squad. 
I love James Gunn as a filmmaker. I have a lot of faith, faith in his ability to direct and to work with a big cast. We talked about Batman and its character concerns. I have real character concerns about Suicide Squad. Because it's just the sheer volume of characters is obscene. I just don't think a lot of them. I don't think a lot of them are going to be around for the whole movie. That's for sure. (laughs) A lot of them are going to get wiped out at at various points along the way. But uh, except for Polka Dot. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, there there's certain ones. You know, Margot's not going anywhere. Harley Quinn's going to be there till the till the end. Oh yeah, shit. I left off Margot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Flag. You know, whoever plays uh, Flag, he's going to be there. I think the guy who did Boomerang came back for this one. There's not too much repetition from the first one. Amanda Waller, did she'll say, be back. What's that? Did you say Boomerang came back? Captain yes, Boomerang, exactly. But Boomerang, Boomerang came back. That's right. So I I thought it was interesting uh, listening to James talk about it and and kind of just like <laughs> some. Of the, I, I mean, of course he has to say it, but I love how he's. This is the greatest cast I've ever worked with. I'm like, I'm sure Guardians of the Galaxy guys are like, hey, wait a sec, James. What about us? You know, well, we we're pretty damn good too. Um, but, but he gets he does he does get to pull aside. Like, and here's the thing: is like. Like Sam Raimi, James Gunn has some some of his go to folks that are always in there. Like Michael Rooker is in this movie. I playing, love how they uh, buried Savant. him. Did you love how they buried him? The whole fucking panel, everything was. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I Michael Rooker seemed to be a good sport about it, so I'll let that go. Nathan Fillion is in it, and he's all he's often in um, Sean Gunn or not Sean Gunn. Yeah, Sean Gunn movies. Uh, James um, Gunn. Or James Gunn. Sean Gunn is in it as well. His brother is playing because Sean Gunn often does a lot of motion cap sort of work for characters. What about that um, corn stash that Nathan had going on? Was that immaculate or what? You know what? Nathan Fillion can look any goddamn way he wants because he's, he's he's Nathan Fillion. Goddamn, he's, he's goddamn Nathan man. Fillion. Yes, he is. <laughs> Whoa, what? Well, easy there. Keep the shirt on, DP. Oh, I am sorry. Winner's you. Don't put it back on. Went from six to midnight. Yeah. Well, well. Uh, <laughs> yeah that's that's a lot of the biggest problems with these is is there's too many <laughs> dancing nipples over there there's uh there's always too many you know dc has that problem with too many characters and but james gunn has figured out a way to do it pretty decently with guardians of the galaxy there was definitely a lot of characters in there that that he made it work really well um so i'll give him the opportunity but it's it's tough i'll give it I kinda, i'll give him a chance nice i'll give it the chance but, you know, considering the first one was such garbage, but I know new director, you know, different kind of a different group of guys. But yet I kind of wish they wouldn't have brought back anybody from the first one because it left such a sour taste in people's mouths that you, you might it, it still ties that in with the first one. And like, well, you know, what, you really... I, what, what I find the most problematic is the is actually Harley Quinn. Because when we bring in Harley Quinn into a movie the attention seems to go directly to that character because she's such a beloved character. She's such a popular character. And Margot Robbie does a terrific job playing her. Like, I I think she's been great. But I I hope, and again, I'm with you, DP. I I hope that Gunn, like, we just have faith in James Gunn because he's done a great job in previous films, right? Like, he's made good movies. He's had ensemble cast before. So you look at it and you're like, okay, I could buy into that. But, you know, one of the things I took away from that panel was talk like there was this talk of, you know, all of these characters are, 
you know, they're going to have their own like time to shine and they all have their unique, you know, skills and abilities and they're going to be in this great story. And this is so terrific. And I'm just like, I'm looking at it. I was like, you got over a dozen characters. How's it all going to fit? Yeah. It's not going to be a four hour movie, you know? So how do, you, how do you do it? HBO Max. Four parts. Oh, God, we'll that. get to that in a minute. But, oh, sorry. You know, four and parts. like, you know, like we said with, you know, when it came to video games, I we talked about this last week where that works for video games when you have a right. big group of guys because it gives people, you know, the fans the, the chance to play as the different characters and they're doing well with the Suicide Squad video game that's coming out where they're fighting the Justice League. You can play. I'm going to assume it's going to be pretty close to like Marvel's Avengers is where you can switch between the different characters. It's going to play that way. You have the opportunity to play as the different guys in movies that's a lot different. You have to try and tell the story and get you invested in these characters in a short amount of time. And, and how do you do that? Charge, the more characters right? you add, the harder it is. And yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I don't have much to. I don't. I mean, yeah, I don't he's, think we. He, we he's we, not saying anything because he just wants to talk about the justice. No, League. no, no, that's not it at all. I just we just didn't get enough. I mean, we did like you're saying, Patrick. We got some footage, but not enough to really get a grasp. Okay. What's going on? I mean, Cena's group is somebody that they're probably going against. I don't know. But it just, I felt like, okay, it's a cool panel. I, I like seeing all the different characters. I, I like seeing who's playing them. It's got a tremendous cast. Let's not kid ourselves. Although there's a right. lot of it, that cast is phenomenal. Um, so if anybody can pull off, you got a director like Gunn with that cast. It should be, unless something disastrous happens, infinitely better than the first one and, and that's and that's a good thing that's a low bar that's it is a low, a low bar, bar but but i think you know if it's if it's if if he does it justice if it's if it's anything like guardians was um you know yeah it, it could be really good it could be right. a, a, the beginning of a new franchise I, I do tend to agree with you that while i know they're not going to keep harley out of this movie it does create a natural distraction because she becomes the focal point and it takes well, away from all your other the, characters and the presence of an Idris Elba. Well, that, that, that might balance that out because he's, uh, he's, he's I mean, a dominant figure in is. cinema right now. He is like climbing up walls with mandals on. I mean, you know, that sort of right. thing. Oh, and let's not forget that Flula Borg is in this movie and that's, uh, he's fantastic. So, right. Oh, no. totally. No yeah. Idea. <laughs> yeah. He's I mean, a, that's why I was, that's why I was going to buy a comedian. A he's a no, comedian. He's, so, but he's he's Canadian. Yeah. No, he's funny. He's a good. He's a good guy. I know nobody knows who he is, but he's hilarious. Who's he? Who's he playing? <laughs> he's playing the javelin. So I don't think we got to see him in any of the trailers or anything. I didn't didn't right. catch him, but I happen to notice it on the on the list of cast and, uh, you know he, cast members. Elba Idris Elba's playing Bloodsport, right? Right. Okay. Yes. Who's, who's in prison in the in the film That's for shooting for, Superman? For shooting Superman with a kryptonite bullet. There you go. Right. So, yeah, well, I guess we'll see. I will wait and see. And that's, and this was harder to pass judgment on in any sort of way, shape or form. Like this is definitely a hype video. This is definitely being marketed on the strength of James Gunn as a director and the strength of a, of a pretty significant cast. So we'll have to, uh, we'll have to wait and see a little bit more on that, but all right, Dave, I've made you wait long enough. I almost made it last, but I figured we'd, we'd book the show the way that, DC fandom books their show. We got a, we got Zack Snyder and adjust and Zack Snyder's Justice League panel. We got a trailer. 
So we got to look. I'm going to let you go first. I'm, I'm going to go last. Reactions, Dave. Well, okay. I, you know, <laughs> I did like the fact that it's a, it's a four hour movie that's going to be split into one hour episodes. So you're saying, I'm looking at it immediately saying, okay, there's two extra hours, which adds a lot of time for development of characters and that sort of thing. Um, you know, the trailer itself, the parts that I liked about it is, okay, we clearly have dark side as the focus. That's where they've shifted this to. And I'm all in on that because that's where it should have gone in the first place. Steppenwolf did look different. What we saw, he's got an entirely different look. That's great. I just, you know, hopefully they don't put too much of the focus still on him because I don't think that's a strong enough character and where they need to go. Uh, beyond that, I mean, you got little night <laughs> Tuddy with the great background. Uh, you know, you got little glimpses of stuff, a little bit of uh, the black suit Superman, but with no real context behind it. You've got uh, a lot of stuff that we've already seen before. You get to see Cyborg's father basically get dusted, like Thanos snapped his fingers or something like that, which wasn't expecting that um you know you do get to see the 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 scene where they're like looking out like in the original in the joss whedon version they're just looking out over this barren landscape where parademons are fucking things up and here it's a drop ship that's coming in and you know that's dark side and the parademon showing up so that's different so what i liked about it is there's nothing really in there that that really tread over the same kind of ground and it, it, it's promising yes they didn't give us a whole lot to go with, sure. But um but yeah, I mean, I mean it's it's hard not to look at that and say this is going to be a different movie. I tell you one thing that bugged me though, Patrick, and you'll appreciate this. Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah playing in the background, which is like what is Zach's fucking issue with that? I love the song too, but it's like, dude, that was the sex scene in Watchmen. You had that song playing. Why are we injecting it here? At this particular I moment, I was going to bring it up. Uh, well, I was going to bring it up. I know you, you brought were. it up first, but, but yeah, I, totally. that, that, I can't even pretend like I wasn't going to say anything about that it. part. Kind of bugged me because that song didn't seem to fit with what they were trying to do. And I thought, Zach, why are you retreading this song? Because it was. I mean, I, it fit better than the sex scene in Watchmen. That's for damn sure. True. That I'll give you that much. That's true. But I mean, it's it's it, there's not enough there. I mean. um, it's encouraging. Sure. I, I, I liked, I liked the trailer a lot. I think the movie will be better than what we got. I think there'll be much more to it than what we got. I, I'm still where I've always yeah. been. Hopefully optimistic after watching this thing. Let Tony go next. I want to see what he has to say. And Tony, you watched the trailer. What'd you think? I still can't get wrap my head around Robert Pattinson being Batman. So uh, I guess we'll just have wrong, movie. wrong movie. Oh, we're talking Zack so Snyder's, we're not Zack Snyder's justice league. We're on justice league, man. Oh, son of a bitch. There you go. <laughs> well, thanks for having me guys. Oh, <laughs> that one's next. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't, I would literally look forward to the last justice league and it, and it didn't really pay off for me. So I, I don't have many expectations coming in here. I did not um, see the kind of footage that was released on this one. I watched the other three things that we're talking about. But anything DC with these kind of characters, I am looking forward to. I, I really want to see how Cena does playing in, in one of these things and what kind of, what he's going to do with the character. Um, mo- mostly what his haircut's going to look like. <laughs> Cena with facial hair. 
Top notch nerd um, uh, analysis there. there. Yeah. All right, DP. Before before I get all snack, Zach Snyder, Pat, Patrick yeah. O'Dowdy. What, what what were your thoughts, man? Before you tear this thing apart, oh, uh, I'll add my I'll add my two cents. The <laughs> the uh, yeah, a lot of the scenes you know were were seemed like it was all kind of stuff from the first one or very close to it. You know, I, I certainly didn't like that part, but I know it's not necessarily it's a brand new movie. It's going to have those, some of those scenes in it, maybe just it produced a little differently. So I got, I understood that I did like a lot of the new scenes. We saw the fact that cyborgs, it looks like cyborgs. Dad's going to be, have a little bit more into it until he gets, you know, we saw him get killed. And as they were looking like they were trying to do something with the mother box there, like they were uh, similar to what they did with the Tesseract in, you know, the early Avengers movies where, you know, they're, trying to light something into it to try and open it up. So that was kind of cool that you brought his kind of science background into things. Um, and maybe they're going to do a little more into that and how to get these boxes working because I didn't think they told it that well in the first one. So I'm definitely more excited for this one just because I think they have another opportunity to make it better. So that was my biggest takeaway was just that there was, yeah, there was definitely some, the additional scenes that weren't in the first one made it look a little more promising. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm in, I'm in the middle on that one. Cause I didn't, I definitely am not a fan necessarily of Zack Snyder's cause all these recent ones were kind of crappy, but this one gave me hope that they could tell the story a little bit better this time around. So Okay. Deliberate pause. <laughs> Just making fuckers wait, man. <laughs> so spot on about the trailer itself and seeing a lot of it be either sort of retouched up or just touched up footage from the previous movie or the previous iteration of this movie. The the one the, the one that did annoy me was the best footage you've got of Aquaman is the exact same footage that you used in the original trailer for Aquaman of him standing on the pier with the water flowing all around him. I get it. It's pretty dope looking. That trailer is a Zack Snyder trailer. With again, if you want a comparison, go onto your Google machine or YouTube and just look up the original Watchmen trailers, which are done to slow moving popular culture songs that, um, then and all the footage is all like slow motion. Like this is always my problem with Zach. Everything's slow motion with this dude. Everything is half speed. I I liked the touch ups that they did to um shit. I forgot his name already. That's how important he was. <laughs> Jesus, which one? Which character? The Flash? Not no, not 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 Cyborg? Dark Side. No, not Dark Side. But oh, the other Steppenwolf. Guy. Was it, Steppenwolf. Was it Robert? Uh, was it Robert Pattinson? It That's not, coming, Tony. Just hold on. <laughs> it's oh. not Robert Pattinson. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I, I, I like the. I did like the touch-ups that they did to Steppenwolf. I think he looked less video gamey than he did previously. Though I did think he looked an awful lot like Corvus Glaive in some of those pictures, especially when he had the hood on and everything from the MCU. Dave, I'm sorry. I do not like how they made Darkseid look. Um, I don't love it. I just, and that's just me. And maybe I'm, I, and we only got like one short look at him. So there's still time for, for me to come around on that. But I probably, a lot of this is my dark, is my Zack Snyder bias 
that trailer didn't do really much to excite me other than to show, oh, there's a little bit more character development. Like, that's what I saw out of this, is that we're probably going to get some more character development. I think we're going to know a hell of a lot more about Cyborg based on that trailer. I think we're going to know a little bit more about The Flash. Who's that girl he rescued? That's what I want to know. She was, might, she, was giving him, she was giving him the come fuck me eyes. Like, that might have been Iris God. there. That his, she was uh, like... Zach did say in the panel, I know you didn't see the panel, but that he, he did say that we were going to see more of the Flash's powers in this. So I think maybe they'll right. integrate the Speed Force more into this right. movie. Uh, you know, I, and I don't mean to cut you off at all. I think they're going to get background info much more on the Flash, Cyborg, and probably not, Aqu- the two char- not Aquaman. Sure, we got a movie for Wait, him. Well, well, and here's the thing is if you look at the rest of that that team up, you already you already knew who Superman was. You already had an idea of Batman. Wonder Woman you got introduced to, and she she had had her own movie in front of it, and Aquaman. So those four got their background. And really, when we talked about the original Justice League, one of the big problems is, is that the Flash and Cyborg in particular are just kind of there. Like, and there's not much to them. And it looks like we're going to get more of that. So that, I think, is good for the movie. I, I still think Darkseid doesn't look good. I still think the like sort of the wasteland look about it all and, and just it still looks very video gamey to me. It still doesn't look very like and there's video gamey and there's video because let's be real. The end of end game is pretty video game looking too. It's just it's digital everything. So there, there's still something to that regardless of what you're watching. I, I don't know. It's just it's a very it was a very slick looking trailer it has a dope. I actually didn't mind Hallelujah as a song as the as playing in the background because I kind of got the idea of it um, in the sense that it's very you're supposed to get this sense of bleak and helplessness. And, you know, and these six are the ones that are going to rise to it. You know, and you get a little bit of dialogue from from Ben Affleck to kind of put a wrap to it all. But. And again, it goes to my lack of faith in Zack Snyder as a director. I just I don't know. And I say that as a guy who will absolutely watch all four episodes on HBO Max when they drop. But what I saw out of this footage for a teaser trailer was touched up footage that looks a little bit different from a movie we've already seen with what looked like deleted scenes added in, which is basically what we understand the Snyder Cut to be. So want to see what the reshot stuff is. Want to want to know what the black Superman stuff is like, what, where, how far do you go with it? And is it there just to be there, or is there a purpose to it? And I just, right now, I'm not particularly feeling it. I think the black suit Superman's how they uh, how they bring him back to life. I don't think you see anything sure. with the charging of the mother box this time around. And, and I do Maybe. think the fact that Darkseid is going to be the main, the big bad, will add an an element that the first movie didn't have. It gives them somebody. And I'm not, and I'm not even 100%. I don't know if maybe the mother box stuff, if they don't just fight him on apocalypse, cause it sure looks like they're fighting on apocalypse and not in some backwards ass town in Russia. That's been overrun by parademons. Like the first one, it does look like they got shipped or transferred to apocalypse, which would maybe, 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 I don't know. We'll see sometime next year. I'm really just hopeful that Doctor Strange ports in Black Panther, Spider Man, and the rest of the crew to help them fight. I'd pay, to, I, I'd pay to see that. Oh wait, sorry, no, just kidding. Wait. I'd pay to see that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> sorry, Maybe Doctor Fate, Doctor Fatal port him in. If there's one thing before we leave Justice League, 
we didn't get any information, which I was hoping, but I wasn't expecting it. Green Lantern or Martian Manhunter. Still an X factor right. whether they get involved or not. If it's going to be four hours, you do have time to bring in the Green Lantern Corps. Maybe Martian Manhunter. Yeah, it's a four-hour movie, Tony. Split up into one-hour parts. But it's it's one-hour episodes. It, I, but, I would call it less of a movie and more of a miniseries. Yes. Like if I were gonna if I were gonna describe it, I would describe it like a miniseries that you would get on CBS. So it's gonna be in digestible chunks, so to speak. But yeah, I would call it a miniseries. Not like it's a movie, but it's not a movie. It's like Crisis, Tony. Just like that. One hour less. It's my favorite breakfast cereal, digestible chunks. <laughs> Damn. Put on chink. It doesn't sound goes appetizing. With, goes best with spoiled milk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think I think that it's still, still more to come. I still need to see more before I'm really convinced on something I'm going to watch anyway which is kind of an oxymoron way to describe that. Like I'm totally going to watch this, but damn it. I need more to be behind it to get me behind it. Raise the expectations or lower them. But let's talk about the Batman. And this is the one segment where I got to see all of the thing. I got to see Matt Reeves, interview, got to watch that whole thing. I think probably the biggest disappointment I had out of the Batman thing was that Robert Pattinson just did like a video intro. Where he's like, hi, I'm in the Batman. I can't really talk about anything, so we're going to let Matt Reeves do it. And then he was gone. <laughs> like That was it for his part. And this way- quarantine haircut and all that shit. Right. Well, you know, he did He did acknowledge that they, they had started filming and that, you know, COVID cut that off, which was, you know, you were talking about how they talked about COVID-19 throughout and how they sort of balanced it. A lot of what we have to recognize for this convention is that COVID played a significant role in these films and where we are. And it's the same thing with Marvel as we patiently wait for black widow to end up on Disney plus. Exactly. Right. Um, but we, we got it. (laughs) Hopefully that does well. I want to see that movie though. I want to see it. I'm sorry. I'm interested. I'm interested in Mulan. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. Like, I don't know that I'm thirty dollars interested. In Dude, I'm I'm buying it just to convince them to release Black Widow on on Disney Plus. Fair enough, fair enough. But anyway, we're not here to talk about Mulan. We're here to talk about the Batman. Uh, and I I appreciated the interview that Matt Reeves gave. I think the biggest takeaway that I pulled out of that is that this is year two of Batman's career. So we are we are looking at a young fresh faced Batman and somebody on Twitter had brought this up that I just can't see Robert Pattinson and PCU even talked about it too. Like reconciling Robert Pattinson as Batman. This person was like, he's just too young. Like he's not an old grizzled Batman. And I was like, that's not the movie that they're telling. It's just the movie we've always gotten. And you look at the people who have played Batman. Christian Bale was your youngest Batman prior to now. Christian Bale is one of your best Batmans, not the best Batman in my opinion, but now that you bring up that point and say this is like the second year of being the Cape Crusader and actually getting into Gotham sense, under, right? under the hood, it's a really logical pick. It, it's a fresh-faced right. kid, and you're going to get that little extra money from the people that watch Twilight. Oh, totally. 
Right? So, I mean, there's still girls that go to night, go to bed every night and kiss the poster and, you know, dude, they just whatever re- else you want to say about They just know. released I mean, a new you Twilight can't see book. It. Mine's, all, mine's off camera over here. They just released uh, a new Twilight <laughs> book. What, Midnight Sun or something? Isn't that like, like Edward's point of view or something? It, I heard it's terrible, though. I don't know. My, my wife and my niece are, you know, Twilight fans and they're reading it. But anyway, we're not here to talk about sparkling vampires. Or are we? Maybe we are. So, real quick. How old do you think Robert Pattinson is? Because I just looked it up. 23. Oh, 31. Uh, Robert Pattinson has got to be... 31. Yeah, Dave, that's pretty good. From Dave, I'll go 32. Close. Uh, PC outbidding you gets it with uh, 34. Ooh. So we're sitting here talking about this dude like he's some fresh-faced youngster. And this is like when people talk about AJ Styles and talk about how young AJ Styles is and he realizes he's like 42. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> He he's 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 got a baby face like he really does. And and there's a reason like that's the moneymaker, that young, that young face. And you're right. You want a fresh face guy if you're looking at year two of Batman. I got it. What about stature, though, as well? I mean, he's got to be the slenderest, smallest Batman. I don't know. He looked like he bulked up for that foot for that for this movie. But he's, man. He he's not looks, bigger than he's not bigger than Affleck. He's not bigger than uh, uh, Bale. He's not bigger than Keaton. He's not bigger than uh, he's I, Keaton I, size. I put, he's Keaton size. I put him. I put him on with Keaton, and I would put him on. I actually would put him on with Christian Bale too. I think you're giving Bale a little too much credit. Uh because he was built and he worked out and he did what he needed to do for that role. But Christian Bale's not a huge dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying I actually was impressed with the look, uh, you know, and, and I, and it's funny cause I haven't, I, this is the, the, the you know, I, I gave you a hard time, Dave, cause we did get a trailer. We got a teaser trailer. They said in the interview that the movie's only about a quarter of the way filmed and done. So there's still a long ways to go. It put together a pretty damn good trailer. Two and a half minutes with 30% of the movie done. That looks that fleshed out. That was, yeah, I mean, I know you were trolling me and that's all fine, but that was pretty impressive. All bullshitting aside that they put together that trailer that, you know, I was very impressed with. The only thing is I can accept Robert Pattinson as Batman. I thought he looked great in the suit. The Bruce Wayne aspect is where I'm not sold because he looks a little... We didn't see anything of him as Bruce Wayne. We saw really. a little bit of him, but I mean, not much though. We saw most most of it was on him in the suit. True, he's six one. I didn't know that. He's six one. Crazy. Yeah, Duke Pattinson. That's a big boy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the my favorite part of the whole trailer was where he's beating the shit out of those guys, and and, and I love what Matt Reeves did with this trailer where he sucks you in, where you think he's just going to stand over him, grab him, and say, "I'm Batman," and they flip it and says, "I'm Vengeance," and I was like. That was brilliant because I thought for sure they're going one way. They did something else and actually like I'm vengeance better than him just saying I'm Batman. But it's the early stages of the trailer. You got to see a little bit of Catwoman here and there. Not not much of her, but uh, it, it's encouraging. I mean, it, it does have a, a sort of they've made Gotham kind of feels more like a, a mix between. I don't know. It's not Burton's got Gotham. That's for well, sure. He talked do about know- this. Liverpool Reeves talked about this. Liverpool. Yeah, he talked about this. They filled it. They filmed it in Liverpool to give it a different look because, if you remember from the Dark Knight trilogy, they filmed a lot of it in Pittsburgh and Chicago. Right. And one of the things that Reeves talked about that I appreciated was 
wanting to make Gotham a little less recognizable to the audience that you're not taken out of the film by being like, Oh, look, there's Chicago. Uh, when Mrs. O'Dowd, who's from the Chicagoland area, f- watched part of, I think it was The Dark Knight with me, she was like, oh, I've been over that bridge. Like, I've been there. And, and really, what it, it's, it's one of the challenges I've always found with DC, because they don't film, or their universe doesn't take place in real cities. They take place in fictional places like Metropolis and Gotham City, whereas Marvel... Like they, they take place in New York. So New York City is New York City. But this, yeah, Liverpool, I think, is a really good way to create a backdrop. I think that can add a little bit more to the darkness of it because it's going right. to feel a little bit more clockwork orange. Um, Maybe, yeah. my, other question, my other question is, who is the V villain? Is it uh, the Riddler? It's either the Riddler or the Penguin. Those seem to be At the least. two prevailing ones because Colin Trell is playing the Penguin. Yeah, unless they haven't filmed really anything on the Penguin, the the trailer definitely said it's going to be the Riddler. But yeah, screen. And I seen the and I seen the guy from Westworld. What what part is he playing? Oh, uh, which, which guy from Westworld? The black gentleman with the glasses. Yeah, yeah I think Bernard. he's Gordon. I think he's Commissioner <laughs> yeah. Gordon. Okay, that's perfect. I mean, he, he like I that. loved him in Westworld. So Colin Farrell is the Penguin. And I'm going to forget who is playing the Riddler. Um, Paul, is it Dano? Yeah. Jim Carrey? Paul Dano. It's not Jim Carrey. No. Paul Dano, who is a hell hell of an actor. Paul Dano, uh, I love him. He played Brian Wilson in a biopic um, about Brian Wilson. And he's just a freaking phenomenal actor. Hell of a talented guy. He's one of those people that you probably don't recognize the name, but if you look him up on Google and just get an image of him, you're going to be like, oh yeah, that guy. Um, and people seem to have some question because we did get a look at a villain. We just don't know which villain it was because they're all wrapped in bandages with goggles. So we don't know if it's, you know, the, is it the penguin? Is it the Riddler? Who is it? We don't know. Yeah, it's it seems to be hinting towards the Riddler initially, but we're not. Yeah, as far as who's going to be the main villain, we don't know. But can, I, we, I just, can we rule yeah. out the Joker? Joker's, Joker's not, not in this, this movie. One. Okay, yeah, it's definitely not in this one. Um, I just we have we have four villains that we know of. Yeah. So we've got well, and we don't even know at what level they are villains. So you've got um, Carmine Falcone, who's the head of the Gotham underworld. You've got. Colin Farrell is the Penguin. Paul Dano is the Riddler, and then is it, is it Zadaya? No, um, uh, Zoe, Kravitz. Zoe, Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz oh. is Catwoman. Yeah. And by the way, did you notice she was doing the like the the ski mask thing? But like they had the ski mask set up where it pointed like little cat ears, but it wasn't actually cat ears. <laughs> that was just clever. the way she was putting it on. Right. Of course, a little tease. Yeah. But th- yeah. But what's nice is like. Like you said, it's kind of the year two story. It's, you know, a young, uh, you know, Robert Pattinson, young Bruce Wayne trying to figure out, you know, becoming Batman. And really, this is gritty. Like you said, he was, you know, that scene where he's just beating the shit out of the one guy. Like he's hasn't gotten into his the Batman form we all know or whatever, because he's he's young and all the villains are going to be younger guys, too, who are really just getting up to the level of the super villains or whatever. And I kind of really like this idea. And I like that you're going to see, I think, you know, being in a different 
like the backdrop being in, in a different city or whatever, right? But still, Gotham is going to make it seem like it's it's you know unrecognizable because that's what this should be is it's a young Batman and everything should be new to us in a sense. And you're going to see Batman make mistakes and and the villains make mistakes and things like that because you're, yeah, Batman's not Batman exactly yet. Right. He doesn't have all his weapons, all his tools, all his stuff is still, you know, young and fresh. And I I think that's really cool. Something we haven't gotten in a Batman movie. So I'm, I'm really excited for it. Yeah. Have you ever seen the year one animated one that DC did? I just watched it a couple uh, see, of days yeah. ago, actually. So it's going to be, you know, I mean, you know, and that was pretty damn good, I thought. And, and then you're going to take that and, okay, one year later. So he's he's going to be at the point now where he's starting to get the hang of things, but still young enough that he's making errors and he's making mistakes and maybe lapses in judgment and things that a more seasoned Batman, a la Ben Affleck's version, who we'll, we know we'll see, or Michael Keaton's version much later on, would never make a mistake like that. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun movie, and it's going to be. I, I, I mean, I, I was just thrilled to get that kind of amount of a trailer out of this thing so early on that I didn't expect. Right, I think that was yeah. It was a very, it was a very nice trailer. It's a very exciting trailer, um, and I think we did get a little bit more. We we talked last week on the show about our big concern about too many villains. There was there was not a not a whiff of John Turturro in that trailer at all. So it tells me that Carmine Falcone's role might not be as big as we expected to be. It was clear to me that um, Catwoman isn't quite Catwoman yet. And so maybe that, that role is a little bit different than what we would expect it. It really felt like there was one clear villain that we know of right now. And then that's just because we're one trailer in. And again, only a quarter of the way filmed, maybe a third still a long ways to go. So there's probably plenty more to shoot that we haven't seen. I also like the aesthetic. Uh, and we didn't even talk about this. You were talking about his development. Batman straight up just working with the police. Like that was a, a moment in the trailer where he's talking to a, a room full of police officers, like walking up to him. That was again, kind of unique. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, my my other yeah my other thought on that is you know I, I I don't know if it's gonna tie in with everything else at any point but like they could if they wanted to with this whole flashpoint thing going on and the multiverse really kind of if they wanted to tie things in or, or wanted to in a way we know we talked about potentially rebooting the series because of the the movies not living up to hypes that this could fit in with the flashpoint and mm-hmm. tie things together where when he resets the timeline or whatever, that it kind of goes and, you know, here's where we start again, you know, kind of thing too. If they wanted to really tie everything together and not keep it separate, they, they have an opportunity here, I think. Yeah. And we didn't get enough information on the flash panel to really draw, you know, no. any sort of conclusions. Cause it's just like one panel of artwork is really that shows the flash outfit a, a little bit more natural looking more towards like the TV version of right. flash than what we got in justice league, which I was, I was a little disappointed in that. It's like, a, I think they've got the right director now, but I wanted I mean, more out of that for, for the justice league. No, for the flash. The I was mo- going to say, Zack Snyder's not there. Zack Snyder's not the right director for any movie. 
that may that may be true, but for the Flash, that I think they might have. I forget the guy's name, but it seems oh, like stop it over there, Tony, with your whatevers. He's a terrible director. Terrible director. <laughs> oh, is that a wow? Is that what you were doing? Gotcha. My bad. For those of you who who don't have the benefit of television, which is all of you, because this is the podcast. Tony making the, the the weird wow face on me with with the hand gestures. I was like, I don't do gang symbols. Anyway. Other takeaways from this, kind of your your last thoughts about DC fandom. I thought they really, you know, like kind of like we talked about, where they they took the lessons, almost lessons learned from Comic Con at home, and made it look a little more professional, a little more smoothed out. I, not if it if some of this for the most part wasn't live, that definitely helps make it, you know work a little more right. smoother if you're going to want to get fans involved like comic-con tried to do makes it a little harder if you're going to do live stuff and uh, get fans on there um so i, I enjoyed that i like the presentation of it i i like the idea of you know making this available after the fact so you can at least kind of catch up and watch if you can't sit right. there all day and go through it you know or you miss something not you know just because of timing and people have to work and stuff but you know, I, I think overall, I, I, I thought it was really good. I thought it definitely can gives you, gives us the hope that you can make this better for people at home who don't want to go to the live events or can't go to the live events to get this opportunity and this feeling like you're, you're part of it and you still get to see the trailers as they happen and all, you know, all that new release type of stuff to get you excited is, is awesome. And I think gives us that opportunity to build on this moving forward for not having to go to the event and still get that event feel when it comes to releases. I don't really have anything. <laughs> we've all, we've, really? to, all right. we've talked about, I mean, we talked about every aspect of it that I thought was, was good and notable and, and just a few places where I thought maybe they, they didn't do enough. Like Aquaman and the Flash would be the two ones, but otherwise, I think like what DP saying. I mean, maybe once the pandemic is behind us, one of these decades, uh, you know, does this turn into an actual live event where fans can go as a DC's own supplement to Comic Con, um, like D twenty three, you know, that sort of thing. So maybe right. there's some future for that. But I, I thought it was a really, really good event. Uh, I thought it lived. I thought it delivered. Fandom delivered, in my opinion. All right, you buckled in. Yeah. Everybody buckle in. So let me start with this. Uh, you you could tell the effect that COVID-19 had on has had on the entertainment industry by watching this. Dave, you talked about some of the limitedness of the panels. I think that's a result of the pandemic. I think that's a result of things being thrown off schedule. And I think that it's it's a result of not being able to put together the kind of footage you would get at a Comic-Con. That being said, I would call this a straight-up home run for DC. And for the DC Cinematic Universe in, in in particular, I think as we've talked about all year on this podcast, DC Cinema has owned 2020, such as it is. They have all of the buzz. They have generated all of the buzz. And whether that's Marvel not really having anything to do because they just finished this event and they're kind of cooling down, to DC finally maybe having a sense of direction with the types of films they want to make and put together. This event I thought was creative. I thought it pulled itself together and pulled itself off better than San Diego Comic-Con did. 
I thought that it gave fans a reason to be excited for the future of the franchises. And it's a win. It's an absolute win. And the things that we've talked about, uh, I have Justin, who was a guest on my show, Justin would always use the word quibbles. I have quibbles. When you have a quibble, that's a little thing. The things that were a hindrance to the DC fandom, in my opinion, are quibbles. Very, very small things that if they continue to do something like this, and I guarantee you, by the way, that this is, I, I okay, I won't say guarantee. It would not surprise me if, as much as I would love it not to be, eventually you have to pay for the experience to be a thing. But I'm okay with that because I think that this was really good. The little O'Dowd and I sat and just watched panels for like two hours last night. Like I put it on and was like, hey, they're going to talk about DC stuff. And he was like, okay. And he sat, he sat through interviews that I would say for an eight-year-old wouldn't be interested, but he was like down for it and watched it. So not only do I think it was a home run and sort of generating the buzz, they clearly found a format that I think works pretty well. And so good on DC, good on Warner Brothers in the DC universe and all the different folks that had a hand in putting this together because I think it really worked and I think it's a home run. And I think that other people and other companies are going to emulate this. And DC gets to say they did it first and they can improve on it and move forward. So good on them. And I want good competition. Yeah. One thing, um, they got a second day coming up. We don't know what that's yep. going to involve. So September 12th. Yeah. So we don't yeah, know you do. if you go, if you go to DC fandom and you look at the calendar, you can see exactly what they're showing. They've already got it out. Okay. Go and check that check out. Folks. It out. And I, and I'm on, and I'm under the, I'm under the impression that it's a little more child friendly. It's going to have a little bit more of some of the like more fun animated stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, just take a look at that calendar because it's, it's all okay. there. You can still look it up. Is it is it not just a coincidence that the shit show of recent DC movies has happened and that 2020, the shit show that was 2020, is the best year for DC? When's the it's, first form of medium that we're going to have that has a movie or a television show and it's scripted has COVID-19 in it? Oh, gosh. I think there's already a movie like that that exists. In fact, there I do mean, know there's a romantic... Something mainstream. Something mainstream. There, there is a Hallmark movie, I think. I swear to God, that's there like is. a there is. that is a COVID romantic the time comedy. at home or something like that. I'm, yeah, I'm telling you, DC or Marvel, loving the I time mean, of Corona. Tra- tragedy plus time equals comedy. At some point, we need a character named COVID nineteen. I mean, we might. We will. Hallmark's we have, we have Christmas a, season this year is going to be brutal. You know it, right? It's, it's just going to be, gonna be awful. awesome. Hallmark's always in a Christmas season. That's that's just the way that it is. So, all right. Well, good coverage, guys. I think we covered a lot of ground today, talked a lot of trailers, plenty to get hyped about, plenty to get excited about. A little disappointed. I thought Dave was going to be a little more hyped up for, for Justice League. Now I feel like I, I oversold it. And then you were like, eh, I, eh, maybe. He, I got to be you honest, You wanted to put man. over your excitement. I did. I did, and you 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 no sold it hard. You no I've, sold me worse than Sting no selling a Ric Flair chop. I'm cautiously anyway. optimistic, as I keep saying, Patrick. I know, I know, I know. So before we go, I did want to talk about a couple of things to give everybody an update as to kind of kind of where COVID nineteen has messed with my life. 
Uh, as you all know, I wasn't expected to be here today. I thought that there was going to be a scheduling conflict that I was going to have to work. What I did learn over the course of this past week, though, is that I, I will be working in sort of some some sort of a rotating schedule, which will be pulling me away from recording days. So every so often, I will be away, uh, and the first time will be next week. Uh, so Dave, DP, maybe Tony. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, Tony's thumbs up and, Tony's in. Uh, are are, are going to write the ship and, and have some fun talking next week. I don't know what they're going to talk about. They, you know, again, the, the hookers and the blow will be back as will the second half of season two of the umbrella Academy. But um, yeah, it's just, it's one of those <laughs> things where we're in this time and it seems like every time we feel like we got a handle on where things are going to go, shit changes. And, and here we are again. So, uh, you know, I think it's going to be one of those things. It's going to be every fourth episode or so. I'm going to be off, uh, and we're getting we're getting close to a year. I think I'm pretty sure I'm going to be here for the for the 50 52nd episode. What are we on? 41. 41. I think 41. This 42. is 41. So yeah, we're we're closing in on one year of bandwagon nerds, which blows my mind to to think that we've been on here for nearly a year now. But uh, I, I will come hell or high water. I will be here for for the uh, the one year Annie and Greg. And Greg hasn't pulled the plug on us, so you know that's even a bigger I miracle. Know. I think we just need to do another like full list show where we do a four hour list show. That'll get us put the audience to sleep. That'll Ooh, get top, us canceled. Our top, top ten, one, top ten lists. Top ten. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I know that'll put butts in the seats. I'll do it. I'm just waiting uh, for your top 10 on. Uh, did you do the top 10 on a winner is you yet, DP? Or is that coming? coming up? All right. Four, I'm excited four, for that. First I'm four hour ten, episode of a winner is you. That's that's well, that's a well, good then I'm not really. coming on this week. I m not coming on this week then. Fuck that no shit. top. No top 10. No Tony. Uh, <laughs> PGA tour right. is next week then. Oh, oh my. We'll do okay. it the following week. Yeah. PGA tour review next week. <laughs> so. I, I've been working all week pretty pretty steadily as as the university opens back up and we bring f- folks back on. But I did uh, have a realization as I started watching yet another show that we're not going to cover, at least in the moment. But I really think that everybody should watch, by the way. It just started the second episode placed tonight on HBO. But if you haven't checked out Lovecraft Country yet, check out Lovecraft Country on HBO, HBO Max really really good show obviously based on the work of hp lovecraft but just a already off to a great start really engaging show tech check it out and it led me to wonder gentlemen what's a show that you're watching that we aren't covering that our audience should check out and watch man uh Right now we're going through a show called Peaky Blinders. I don't know if you've seen that oh, one. Oh yeah, that's on Netflix, yep. It's a Netflix it's one Murphy, that's actually right? Really good. Yeah. Cillian Murphy. And, uh, that one's really fun. Kind of got the mob mentality, you know, back in, uh, boy, London times and all them, you know, Vegas basically working as uh legitimate gambling businessmen and trying to take over different territories. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's, we just got through season one, just started season two. It's really, uh, really a fun one. Being the three-man weave guy here, uh, the sports podcast right here on thechairshot.com, I'll stick with Netflix. Hoops is out now, and it's about a foul-mouthed basketball coach, high school basketball coach. It's a cartoon. And then something I'm looking forward coming up to watch is, uh, man, I'm just trying to, Chef's Table Barbecue. If you are a food fan and we talked about smoking stuff, it's on Netflix. It's coming up September 2nd, so 
a lot of good things over there. I, I should mention one other show since it is part of the Winner Is Used podcast. Thanks for reminding me, PC, that we are watching High Score on Netflix you as well. Steal your so. thunder, it's on my, it's on my yeah. list. Yeah, appreciate you. Appreciate you reminding me of that one. Watch that. We just finished season or episode one. We're going to review episode two on the next show as well. That'd be the one mm. I'd want to watch. I mean, I'm not really watching anything other than what we watch, but I see people in my house watching Doom Patrol and Penny Dreadful. Right. I see Penny Dreadful quite a bit. Uh, people are watching that. So the original or the the, the one series. season that just got well because Penny Dreadful. There's two. There's the original Penny Dreadful, which takes place in like Gothic London, and then they tried to do a spinoff series that took place in the 1930s in Los Angeles. That one did not take off. Must be the original one. Right. Cool. All right. Well, fellas, good contributions. There's some more content for you all out there while you're sitting here in quarantine land. That's going to do it for today's show. Good work talking everything DC fandom. Before we say goodbye, fellas, why don't you tell everybody where they could find you? PC, you're the guest today, so why don't you kick us off? Uh, right after I get done here, I'll be hooking up with Christopher Platt and Ray Cash. I believe DP as well. If either of you have time, come on board. We're going to talk some NBA playoffs and what's going on in the sporting world. That's at three underscore man. We've right there on the chair Pot is war every Thursday night. Christopher Platt, Andrew Belaz going at it for intellectual superiority in sports and entertainment. And always a good time to be had for the DWI podcast. I understand this is going to come out after SummerSlam happened already, but we had a really great time catching up with our old buddy Kenny Killer from across the pond. So check out his dad cast ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Follow me at PC Tunney. David. Well, you can follow me on all the usual places on Twitter at attitude, AGG and on facebook.com slash attitude of aggression. And, uh, that's, that's about it. Yeah. I had a good time, uh, guest hosting on pot is war last few weeks, making sure that, uh, the legacy of Tunney's upheld appropriately. And uh, yeah, we did the the dual the tricast return this last week for DWI Attitude of Aggression and uh, the f- podcast formerly known as Sunday Segway. So it was all good stuff. DP, uh, you can you can find me all over the worldwide social media interwebs. That it's me, DPP, and uh, make sure you follow Winner Is You for on Twitter and Facebook at a Winner Is You, the letter U. And like we said, episode ten coming up. We got our first top ten episode coming. Very excited. I'm also happy to hear you're doing show recaps now, too. You're basically just the video game version of Bandwagon Nerds, thief. No, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> the best shows are ripped off from other ones. Hey, you know what? It's a sincerest form of flattery. Anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can listen to me every Monday here on Bandwagon Nerds. You can also listen to me every Wednesday on the Greg DeMarco Show. Please jump onto Twitter and also follow the show on at Bandwagon Nerds. We we still do polls. We're still putting some stuff out there. A lot of great content. If you like the show, follow us on the Twitter. This has been Bandwagon Nerds here playing on thechairshot.com as part of the Chairshot Radio Network. Now, get yourself out of the basement, get yourself some sun, and watch all of the trailers from DC Fandom. They were a good time. We'll see you next week on Bandwagon Nerds. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.
you supposed to be? I'm vengeance.